0: Welcome to Authorized, a podcast where we unsafely read the novelization of any film fortunate enough to have one. Novelizations are nasty little books that revel in the confusion and grime of their source film. Where interiority in prose often lends itself to humanizing and softening protagonists, novelizations explore the perverse glee of a man metamorphosizing, metamorphing in a manner that should inspire abject terror. Where other books explain where characters come from and why they are who they are, these stories depict obsession over what one can become, positing a corrosive loss of self over the possession and control of one's own identity. Novelizations are in it for the sick thrills. We are your hosts, a loose coalition of novelization enthusiasts. My name is Andrew Overby. I'm Matt Darnell,
1: and I'm Hannah Bleckman. Videodrome is a 1983 science fiction film directed by David Cronenberg. It follows Max Wren, a TV station president intent on platforming shocking and subversive content for his own sick gains. <laughs> when his network, he likes up, it personally and professionally. It. Yeah, he's, he's a consistent man. He's taking his man. passions and putting them in front of other people. Um. When his network picks up a pirate transmission consisting of torture and snuff, Ren becomes fixated on finding, prophetizing, and perhaps even experiencing the mysterious Videodrome, which I don't know that I agree with that, Andrew. We can, we can fight well, about that.
0: You can write the next one, okay. Yeah,
1: I would love to. <laughs> I wouldn't at all. I just like to needle you. Um, <laughs> part of the vibes of Videodrome. As he peels back the layers of the shadowy organization that produces this hyper-realistic program, Max begins to see that the motivations behind its dissemination are specific and targeted. Will Max be able to take a moral stance in the evolving technological landscape this new form of television portends? Or is he, along with the masses, but a passenger and victim of Videodrome? The novelization of Videodrome was written by Jack Martin, based on a screenplay by David Cronenberg, and was published by the New English Library in 1983.
0: Our guest today, host of the podcast, Roger Ebert and Me, an imitation Siskel and Ebert podcast, and also, sometimes, a commentary atop those episodes, or did that stop? We did that for maybe a month or two
2: before I collapsed under the weight of my ambition on that one <laughs>
3: oh.
2: I just did not did not have the time to watch I think well that for example, this
0: past week um there no were no, let tw- me pull up the title of your episode. Let me pull up the title of the episode oh. and, and we can express <laughs> it that way so the most recent Roger Ebert and me episode was called let's see uh. Evil Dead Rise, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, Bo is Afraid, Ghosted, Chevalier, To Catch a Killer, Carmen, Quasi, Somewhere in Queens, Other People's Children, Everything Went Fine. It's 11
2: movies, and we, <laughs> thought, it was tw- we, we thought it was 12, but are, are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret is actually out next week. So it was a more reasonable 11. Uh, so my point being, I, yes, I committed myself to doing this every week, which is reviewing every new movie set for release theatrically, and on streaming and I try to do I have to try to keep keep up with those in advance or I'll get run over uh so I've been doing that and then adding the commentary element which I love doing and I wish I had time for I wish I didn't have I wish this was my job and not a hobby because I would love to do it um but that was then adding on say you pick an episode from 1970 whatever to do And then there's like nine movies therein. And my whole thing was, I don't want to do a shitty job. I want to watch all nine movies. Oh, Jesus Christ. And talk about them. (laughs) So we did that for a while. And it just was, uh, it was untenable. Let me tell you.
0: You should should reboot those types of episodes. Bring me on as co-host and every episode will go, a movie sounds good. Yeah, it looks fine.
2: (laughs) Has it stood the test of time? I'm not sure. I didn't watch it. I didn't have time. Uh, I'm too busy watching new stuff. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I I would like to get back to doing those as like a Patreon thing at some point, but there's too much going on between that show I run and then the New Flesh, which is busy with horror releases, of which there are several lately. So there's mm-hmm. just running out of time here. No, I, I I didn't uh,
0: mean to put you on blast yeah. right away. I love I, no, I love Roger. I don't Ebert feel Lee. on blast. And no. and I I heard you say the name of the other podcast, but that's got to be a coincidence, right? The New Flesh. What does that mean?
2: <laughs> Um, yeah, definitely a coincidence, because we've never covered Videodrome on the show, hilariously enough, on the show that takes its namesake from that movie. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you asked me to do this, because you're helping me keep a very fun bit alive, where I only <laughs> talk about Videodrome on other people's podcasts. Because I've now talked about it. This is my second one. I've talked about it on the Best Little Horror House in Philly podcast, where it's a show where you go on, and you pick your favorite movie. And basically, it's presented as as this is the best horror movie of all time, as presented by the guest. So I did that on Best Little Horror House in Philly, and now I'm here to talk about it, hopefully for one million hours. So, uh, so with you guys. So, Videodrome is, is your movie? is your favorite movie or your favorite horror movie then? Um, it's definitely my favorite movie. Period. I just love it so much. Yeah. Cool. Uh, You're bread a of and the You're and the book freak. is <laughs> oh, absolutely. And the book, the novelization, is. I'm so glad you asked me to do this because I've been meaning to get to it for so long. I bought it a long time ago and I've never got around to it. And it is fascinating and enlightening because it's one of those novelizations that's very clearly based, feels like it's pretty close to the screenplay, but it's also based on an earlier draft of the screenplay than the one that became the movie. So there's like deleted scenes, so to speak. And all, as you said in your intro, all that interiority and color that really, for this movie, I think it really helps to read this book. If you're confused in any way, it really just lays it all out there. It's terrific.
0: The most books, the interiority is going. Uh, his father was very tough, and that's why he's like this. This book is like he's horny. He's, he's really horny. And <laughs> yeah, he like, it was to interesting to move. be like
4: uh, <laughs> to think about the Max Ren characters movie in the book, where it's like in the movie he doesn't have a filter and in the book he has a massive filter and we just spend like way more time with him like running through all this insane overconfident like shitty behavior which i thought was interesting because yeah the, the the james woods max rent just feels so like in his own skin he's just
0: like yeah baby like, smooth operator say yeah.
4: he's so smooth yeah it's really interesting
0: so, Brett, this being your favorite yeah. movie, yeah, how did you come about it initially? And then, follow-up question, you sold me a copy of Videodrome, the novelization, and you still fucking have one. So what way are you
2: Isn't that living your life? is that mind-blowing? The weirdest thing on earth happened when I bought this book. I bought it, and it never arrived for a long time. Okay. And I reached out to the person expecting to get a refund, because it's like an old book. I was like, there's no way this person has multiple copies of this. Right. But- Lo and behold, the person was like, oh, sorry, I see on the tracking that it didn't arrive. I'll just send you another one. So he sent me another copy. And then literally over a year later from that, the the original version arrived on my door.
1: It went on such a journey.
2: Yeah, it got lost somewhere. And yeah, I have no idea where it went. The tracking does not have that information. I would love to see the journey it made. (laughs) But it eventually made its way here. So I had two copies of it.
0: Wow. Okay, so when do so you... So how many copies does this other guy have?
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, a great question. <laughs> the eBay Scott. store.
2: I got I to gotta check now and see if there's like 50 more of these in stock. But, you know, I don't know what's going on, but I appreciate that they exist. But to be clear, I don't know how you guys feel about... Un- oh, I'm sure you feel fine about it. Unauthorized YouTube people reading books like this. And I did find one of those for this. And someone did read this entire book on YouTube. And they did a good job of narrating it. And... uh It's like seven hours long or something.
0: I wonder if it's our guy. I'll look it up. Um, Uh, So, Brett, when did you first see the movie? Oh, sorry. uh, And what's your your journey with it This is a
2: a classic uh, origin story for one of my favorite movies. I feel like this is a story for many of them. We're like, saw it stoned in high school (laughs) in a friend's basement uh, after school one day. Uh, just very memorable experience of I was with my friend Keon I was with my friend Aaron we were smoking through like a, a paper towel dube tube type of situation because it's in a basement in your parents house type of type of deal so we were doing that had this movie on probably DVD and it just blew my little mind open and I just, I think it came out on Criterion Blu-ray like when I was in college and I bought that and I just have been obsessed with it. I mean, ever since that first time I watched it, I'm not sure like when I picked it up for a second time again, but probably when that Blu-ray came out. And it was... Every time I watch it, I feel like I, I, I see more that's in there that is like pathetic and uh, just like amazing. It's just an incredible movie to have been made when it was because it feels like it predicted so many things. Uh, and I have had the privilege of seeing it On a 35mm print last year, I believe, it was playing in New York at the Nighthawk Theater. And I went and saw it, and that was a treat. And now there's actually a new 4K restoration that did play in New York uh, like a few months ago, and I was out of town, and I'm pissed I missed it. But that 4K does exist on... I think you have to order it from the UK, but it's on like a new Aero 4K release. But it has all the Criterion features plus more... I have, I have books about this movie that I, could, I should have had ready to show <laughs> off on camera here. But yeah, I've just like read everything you can it's about a, this uh, book. You but,
0: hear, pretend you're holding them up.
2: Yeah. Oh, boom. whoa. Photoshop, Photoshop it in. Huge stack. Yeah, look at that stack. <laughs> 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 Huge stack. Um, one of them is like about the making of the movie from a guy who was there on the set the whole time. And it's really a great read as well. But this novelization, can't recommend it enough. Uh but yeah I don't know if that is that's a good enough origin story but that feels like feels
4: uh, like
3: it.
2: I So
4: this is that like perfect kind of stonery watch it college kind of movie. Yeah uh, this was like this was the movie that my wife wrote all of her film school papers about. Oh my god. And so when we were in college we watched it I mean a dozen times. It was one Please of those like upload those to the chat
2: now. I would like She to <laughs> she was joking about it. She was like I Oh think Matt's I'm, holding up his voice.
3: oh wow
2: (laughs)
4: um and uh we hadn't watched it in like 10 years so we watched it on 420 actually also stoned out of my mind after 10 years and so much of it we were like do you remember this i don't remember this part at all (laughs) but like i mean yes it is it is such a prophetic kind of movie and i think before I was always like, how did he predict this piece of technology and this piece of technology and this piece of technology? And it's interesting now that we're sort of out of the Facebook world, out of the you know early sort of Twitter world, and now into like TikTok world and stuff like that. It's interesting to be like, oh, he's not like, he's not trying to be super prophetic about technology specifically. He's just prophetic about like human beings exactly. and how we... How we use technology, how we chase technology, how we push the boundaries of a new frontier, and how we're so horny all the time, and it's like, oh, that's the truth. And so, like, you know, we'll watch this movie in a hundred years and be like, yep, you still got it, dude.
2: Like, hundred percent. People my, are never gonna not android. be horny, right?
0: All right, well, it's a it's hundred years from now, I finished Videodrome, and I'm like, well, time to go see the new Nathan Cronenberg movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's
2: a, there's a lot of Cronenbergs running around right now making movies. It's it's a great time to be a fan of the Cronenberg
0: family. The thing that strikes me about this movie, especially upon rewatch this time, is that uh, in the present day, in 2023, we've all kind of gotten to the point where we, you know, put respect on the name of home media, where I can watch a prestige TV show and be really into it, and other people are going, that makes sense, I like that one too, TV's so good these days, blah 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 blah. The 1980s, while people certainly had televisions, watched television a ton and whatnot, there was very much this idea that it was the boob tube, right? That it was sort of a mind melter, that it was not the... Uh, Not the domain of the intellectual. And to look back at this movie from decades past, and such an integral part of it is that people are addicted to sort of getting this fix and they're going into this building to sit at a cubicle and get a little hit of it like it's a drug. That feels very present day. That feels like phone culture.
4: Yep. And I just have no idea. Infinite scroll. It's like exactly, oh, absolutely I- that. And it's like less of a drug and more of like a vitamin. It's like it's like you need this. Come here. Like that's how the corporation well, that's how it, the fans are positioning it is like you'll die without it though.
2: It's yeah. It reminds me of not just this movie but existence and then Crimes of the Future, which is also about like the idea of humans just like morphing along with technology and using like it's, it's not like a question of it's not i like how he treats it not like a question but like it's just like a it's the it's the it's going to happen like this will happen to humanity like technology is going to happen and we're going to have to adjust along with it or or you know like terrible things will happen or or just not. that's not even that's not even right terrible things won't happen because this thing will happen (laughs) i just love that that's the way he treats it like it's like an inevitability it's not treated like with um I just like that it's treated with seriousness in the in his movies, even though those his movies are arguably quite funny at the same time.
0: <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Um, Hannah, you hadn't seen this movie before?
1: I had not. Oh, my did God. Did you Ooh. read the book first
0: or watch the movie first?
1: I did. I read 90% of the book. I think I read all but the last three pages of the book. And then I was like, I'm just... I was reading it on my Kindle, so I didn't have a good sense of how close to the end I was. And... um I was like, I gotta squeeze this movie and I'm just gonna watch it, and then I'll finish the book, and then it turned out I was like, two pages. Like, turn, <laughs> turn, done. Um, so I basically read the book first, yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. And how
0: was that experience of coming into Videodrome as a, as a 20-something, saved it?
1: Thank you for that generous guess at my age. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when you know exactly how old I am. Um,
2: <laughs> it's all keyfabe.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I liked it. I've, I'm not a huge Cronenberger or a body horror person inherently because I am a baby and I get grossed out really easily. Um, but I like this one and reading it in the book, I feel like a lot of the surreality of it, of like what's happening to him, how much of it is real. I'm not sure I totally understand how much of it is real at all and how much of it is pure hallucination, uh, and then the I'm gonna question bust out of, the charts and graphs I can't wait, later. I need it. I need the Charlie Day in front of the Pennsylvania, yes. right? I need it. <laughs> I don't get it. Um, and the question of, you know, is any of it real? Or is he just having a mental breakdown? Which is what you would ask about that movie if it came out today. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in the 80s, you're like, yeah, well, obviously he's uh, turning into a gooey mechanical gunman. Of course, this feels true and untrue. Tom-tom. Yeah, the sexuality of, of it. It is such a stomach <laughs> vagina. The mix of sex and violence. How much of that do you really want? How much mm-hmm. real do you want? You don't want it to be real. You want it to be fake. And the moment it's real, it's not sexy anymore. It's very cool and interesting to me. Um, didn't change my was... life, but I found it very intriguing. <laughs> that was
4: one of the my biggest questions going into reading the book and one of the most enjoyable things to sort of parse out is like, it's a very carnal story. So yeah. like what works better visually and what works better reading it and sort yes. of having someone break down and like, like to, to read the video drum sex scene versus watch the video drum sex scene yes. is very, very interesting. And I think that there's like strengths and weaknesses to both where I think some of my favorite moments And it's hard, right? It's like how do you how do you not just write a David Cronenberg script, but how do you adapt a David Cronenberg movie with Rick Baker practical effects? Like how do you actually like describe this shit? Exactly. And I think the the sexy stuff probably worked better for me on screen. And there's obviously the added bonus of having Debbie Harry's face to to, visual stimuli for you. Yeah, exactly. But, like, the transformation stuff in the book, like, putting the gun in the chest and and the discovery of his chest, of his, like, stomach vagina is just, like, it's really cool to read. And that was just, like, so fun to be, like, okay, there is merit
2: to both of these things. I think it's – I wrote that exact thing down. That I was, like, the reason that I love the book so much is that, like, wow, I feel validated for loving this movie so much because, like, clearly – all the things you could say like like the things the things people praise the movie for exactly what you're saying rick baker special effects mm-hmm. amazing practical stuff that is like inherently filmic and cinematic and reading the book made me go oh no this story is like just as great on the page and like all that stuff makes it a great movie and but the the core of it as like a story that's compelling and timeless and gets at you know inherent human truths and stuff like it's all there and i think that uh yeah you're right it doesn't need to... both both of them work independent of each other in a weird does way does anyone have
0: well, a their finger on the page for uh the 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 cavity thing the stomach cavity i would so say it's 113 stone.
4: 114 i don't have my book up it, but it is like page yeah like page 113 or 114
1: i was really mm-hmm. struck i mean coming at it from um a book first perspective and having no idea what this story was about actually uh, I had made a bunch of notes on, like, a little piece of paper that said, like, oh, the relationship between sex and violence, how interesting, whatever. And then he has a vagina it, and immediately puts a gun into it. And I couldn't get over how, cats-like. like, it's super phallic, it's super violent, the concept of doing that.
4: Sex and violence? Yeah. Yeah,
1: let me, like... Let me fuck myself. With a gun! Does, with it, a, feels like, a, a, it feels a a like, it feels like Alien mortal from Spring Breakers piece. would
0: love it. <laughs>
1: it's... I know I was just like damn this this thing knows exactly what it's doing with all of its metaphors in unsubtle and very subtle ways really cool
2: I that subtle and unsubtle ways thing makes me think of the first thing I wrote down in the book is first of all the book opens with a deleted scene from the movie which is basically him him dreaming himself into the samurai dream pilot thing that he's like talking about putting on TV or whatever and that whole thing is great and which means which means sorry to interrupt but that means please. that he's it's it's the added scene of him like
4: putting himself in a position yes. where like he's a character who is about to kill himself
2: for like a bigger purpose and a more philosophical reason and it talks reason. to him talking about isn't why isn't the witness there shouldn't the witness be there and they're like and what they're the like, fuck is this guy talking about yeah why this? do you know all this You're it's so freaking fascinating us out and we um, sell pornography. <laughs> I feel like it wasn't until me reading it a second time this morning when i was just like god this is so perfectly I'm and i can't tell if this is the author or the screenplay type it's one of those things where i'm like it's just so on like on its own wavelength from from line one where it's like this immediately begins with distorting dream reality and his waking actual reality which is the central theme of the book and it just starts that way and the movie doesn't it, it, it starts with him waking up which i think is great but like i think it's missing that scene i would like put that
0: scene back <laughs> i like it i think it's. hey great. this 88 minute movie can be 89
1: yeah it it's adds a, something I, too yeah. that he he's like special in regards to videodrome in some way like his ability to put himself intellectually like into the concept of videodrome in the same way that he can put himself in his imagination yeah. into tv shows in different ways that he's having these weird video visions yes before and videodrome he, oh,
2: i love the way he talks about when he's asked on Nikki's radio show or whatever, like, yeah, I dream in television. I dream in TV and I always have. And it's like about how the things you watch and read find themselves in th- their way into your head. But this was all, I was supposed to be talking about the small details the little de- uh, and big details or whatever. And one of the small, um, small metaphors, I guess it was, I forget what we were talking about, mm. something like that. But I was onto something and it was the pizza sauce dripping on mm. the Samurai Dream's image, which is in the movie. And it's, it's perfectly in the movie. The whole way it's described is in the movie. But when you get the book and you can like you know have the interiority described to you, and it's like it's signifying that that lust for blood and something more erotic and dangerous for Max. Like the blood, the pizza falls on the image, and he goes, "Oh, this is actually interesting now. This was once boring and 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 pretentious, and now that there's red on it, and I smeared it all uh-huh. over." I, yeah, I, it is. It's just incredible <laughs> to think about him as this like anointed figure, where it's like, okay, who's
4: yeah. chasing who? Like, is Videodrome looking for Max Wren or is Max Wren looking for Videodrome? Like. This weird, like uh uh I don't know, just got this weird kink, you know, and it's like they're looking for each other. I like I like that the book was able to go a level deeper with all that stuff. Everything you're saying about like the pizza sauce in the picture, to have so much more time of him not just filtering what he's saying, but giving us more of it.
2: I feel place. like you Yeah, you, you get more of the author in my mind. It's like Cronenberg telling you what this movie's about and that all comes through in the book where the movie doesn't hold your hand through it, but it's 100% there. If you're like an astute viewer who's seen this movie 100 times, you can eventually go, oh, I get what the fucking pizza sauce on the picture represented. But if you read the book, it just tells you. And I appreciate that so much. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking a lot about it's the like, beginning of the it's book. It's like playing Super Mario with the Prima Guide, you know, just like the old, <laughs> the, like walking you through. It's like, like a, reading a video game walkthrough, essentially.
0: <laughs> Sorry,
2: the- I had to interrupt with that brilliant thought.
0: No, I just uh, as much as I love Mario uh, movie of the year. <laughs> um, the I just don't know what the Prima Gun is. Uh, the Prima
2: the Prima's book. guide. There was like a company that made book guides back when you had to pay for. Oh, the guide, you know, like walkthrough tutorial. Yeah, sorry. Really gotcha. inside yeah, no baseball worries. reference for six people who bought that book who paid fifty dollars <laughs> for a book. Used to, to how to beat I, Mario.
0: I didn't start playing video games until like ninety six, but I used to always be going to game facts and control effing stuff oh yeah gameshark.com yeah Yeah. so we're talking a lot about the beginning of the book but the real beginning of course is three little quotations on the first page i love the first one we get sylvia plath says i do it so it feels like hell i do it so it feels real i guess you could say i have a call uh, Brett, you have the second one there. The medium is the massage. Is the massage? <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
0: And then of course the third one, I mean who how do uh, how do I pronounce this? Probably French person. Montaigne. Says to extreme sickness, extreme remedies. Look, right off the bat I'm going, Jack Martin is here to write video drum.
2: Hardcore. And um I found out something crazy when looking this up. Jack Martin, pen name mm-hmm. for iconic horror author, Dennis Etchison. Dennis Etchison wrote this book, which helps me. I just can't... I'm constantly wondering, is this like a really well-written book or is this a really well-written screenplay?
0: And I feel like it's really an answer where it's like, it's both. It Mm -hmm. does feel like both. So I was aware that this was a pen name, but I'm not familiar with that man's work at all. So what what else has he done?
2: Um, Dennis Etchison is famous for... I feel like there's this one book that Stephen King... Um, said is like one of the best horror books he's ever read, and that's you know so many so many horror cr- writers or filmmakers got their cred by Stephen King being like this shit rocks, and I love that. Um, <laughs> the The Dark Country uh, is something he wrote in the '80s. I personally haven't read um, any of these, but he has written novel as far as novelizations. You guys may have known him as the guy who wrote Halloween two II and three, uh, the books. Also, is Jack Martin, and I think he wrote the Fog as jack martin but as himself yeah it looks like his biggest thing is uh the dark country but he's got a bunch of horror books Hmm. one hell of a fiction writer the most uh, the most original living horror writer in america according to quotes oh that wasn't steven that was just someone (laughs) said that steven was the first one and then i added a second one so i couldn't say it's from steven
0: so i really blew it (laughs) Um, so as you say, we start the book with this samurai dreams thing, which I agree makes it adds to the entire feeling of the book not adhering to reality, right? He's essentially getting prophecy of, of, uh, things that he's going to be discussing in like a chapter, um, which, sorry, I'm a little, what am I looking for here? He wakes up. And he has this very like tortured wake up routine that I found kind of funny. Uh, it says, <laughs> this is page 10. It says, he stretched and disembedded his legs from the sofa, inch by tortured inch. He waited to feel the touch of his feet on the, on the carpet. It seemed to take a very long time, as if he were moving in slow motion instead of real time. He dragged himself through his apartment, punching buttons as he went, as though dressing a, a set with lights. The dark green walls of the cramped kitchen damped much of the indirect lighting. Only the occasional piece of red enamel cookware reflected painfully back into his eyes. Like the jar of ragu sauce on the shelf. Like the glistening smears scarring the warped pizza box on the table. Now, this guy... Life isn't enough for him, is something I'm getting from the jump, right? He... Yep. And, and and it's also weirdly relatable, right? I mean, like we all have very busy lives and it's so, it can feel so tiring that I definitely have days where I'm like, the the prospect of living and getting things done is very much an assault on the senses, right? And mm-hmm. to have a start with Max Wren feeling overwhelmed by the most mundane part of his day, uh, sets the book up terrifically to then show why, He's basically willing to give up everything to access this escape.
4: Yeah, I I like that he's more miserable in the book. That the interiority, it makes it look like like he thinks that he's cool. He thinks that he's ahead of everything in his life and can handle it all. But yeah, this opening scene, it's like this guy kind of shitty. Like, and even the way where he's like picking up the the cold pizza and feeling like a hungover piece of shit, like. James it literally Woods, I think, in the calls movie. him
2: depressed yeah it's like a depressed
4: comma oh, yeah. <laughs> the the ways that they like describe mm. his like nonchalance and all that kind of stuff is really funny but like i think yeah in the book it's like it doesn't read as cool james wood is so much better at selling it i think this is so I, fascinating I,
1: I to me who read the book and was like this guy is cool this guy is successful this guy is hot he's like not happy necessarily like big american mm-hmm. psycho vibes right And then watching the movie, I was like, cool, James Wood is a weird little freakazoid sleazebag who peddles pornography, and he knows that about himself, and he's, like, not cool. And the fact that he gets Nikki Brand is, like, a huge win, and then he's, like, almost a little scared of her, and then actively scared of her (laughs) when she's um, into stuff that's above his pay grade sexually.
4: (laughs) (laughs) The poor pornography salesman can't handle Nikki Brand.
1: He can't. She's into kinkier stuff than he's comfortable with.
4: You want to try some stuff? It's a good line. It's a good line.
2: He's uh, like, uh, and then- I was not actually thinking of that. He's like, I was thinking of like dirty talk, maybe. And she's like, All right. <laughs> please cut me. Can- and yeah, then please uh, well, rub the bottle straight
1: back. Yeah, it's gross. I mean, uh, no, it's day While we're own, still in like
4: the early part of the book, I think like the, the most interesting differences between two of these is they feel a little bit like they exist in different genres to me. And and Hannah, what you just mentioned makes me curious if you agree or disagree with this, but I think that the book plays more like, like a Mike Hammer sort of PI kind of thing, where mm-hmm. like he is really schlubby, and he is like, he's throwing fists more, and he's more determined, and we're in his head more, and he understands how uh, how weird the world is and stuff. And then I think in the movie, and I wish that the movie, if I have a criticism now, I wish that the movie had more of this. Like, I wish that the movie was a horny, like, Nick and Nora Charles movie with, like, him and Nicky Brand just, like, investigating the, like, kinky underworld together and then just, like, fucking all the time. Like, that's the dream version <laughs> of this movie
2: to me. Have and you so seen I think uh, that- Joel
1: Schumacher's 8 Millimeter? <laughs>
3: Yeah, <laughs> this like is the film <laughs> you
2: seek.
1: Yeah, yeah, where it's Nicolas Cage and Joaquin Phoenix uh, investigating together.
4: Oh yeah. oh, yeah. But I mean, come on, if it was James Woods and, and Debbie Harry as well, I would have mm-hmm. loved it. And so I like that. I think that there's like a there's an easier rhythm to their romance in the movie. And I was like, OK, so I feel like this one and, and the movie is just faster. It has more banter. It's a little bit quicker because we're not spending so much time in its head. So I was thinking like, OK, book is sort of 40s noir movie. Movie is sort of 40s screwball kind of like, you know, fun pop romance movie. And like, that's how I just kept thinking about them and how they were playing with not just like the sexual elements and the romance elements, but... I don't know, just like overall pace in this character, and how is he? How he's sort of ahead of the world or, or behind the world.
1: I have a fact question. If somebody can answer, just like what's happening. Oh, at uh, some question. point, I
0: need somebody to just explain all of what Videodrome does, is, wants. Cool. Oh, glad. Yeah.
1: If I may ask my expert first. here, <laughs> yeah, 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 I think yeah, Brett can I answer hope, all these I hope questions.
0: So. I hope
2: so.
1: There's a part towards the end where they say like Nicky Brand's been dead the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. We seduced yeah. you with an image of her, but she was already dead. Does that work because he's hallucinating the moment he sees Videodrome and he meets her on television, so it's not real? And then every other time they're together, they're alone and she's not real? Is that what's happening?
2: Um, I I mean, the, the, the hard and fast rule would be everything he sees the first time after he sees Videodrome the first time is susceptible to being a hallucination. But I would have to watch the movie of fourteen hundred time with that in mind to like I don't even remember in the movie I feel like the scene the talk show scene must happen before he watches videodrome. I think it does, does so it? I think yeah, yeah, okay. I do think that she's real in at least at that moment in the movie, and I think as soon as he watches video videodrome, I think she's dead for when she like leaves i think it's I think that's straightforward okay. at least in the movie and book or in the movie, um but I would have to i I'm, i want to mm. defer to it now because i, I feel like, like be like pause let me go look on
1: yeah. the talk show she seems so deeply disinterested in him and disgusted by his advances that then when you cut to now they're together in his apartment it feels like that could be the part where they're like now she now it's a i fate. don't i don't know i Does i don't want to be
2: sense? mean to debbie harry i love <laughs> debbie harry i love blondie i feel like maybe that's just like an acting thing that uh. like isn't sold properly but like <laughs> I I think she's definitely supposed to be intrigued by him. Mm-hmm. Even though I agree it kind of she kind of it kind of comes off it could come off as disinterested and I think the book makes it clear that like she is actually, you know, happily titillated by him or whatever. Uh I think that's a fair thing to say though.
0: I think that when he what am I trying to say? Videodrome as you say once he watches it can basically just morph him in any way and he's having these hallucinations that are totally unmoored from reality i think that's why she is the only person who sees the videodrome he sees right he can sit down with her and watch videodrome and she'll go oh is this real this is crazy they're being tortured and he's also seeing that now we of course learn that harlan his assistant isn't actually watching i look away Yeah, I do not. I do not see. But I think that that also implies that Videodrome does not have actual content that that uh, Max is seeing torture. He's seeing snuff films because that's some sort of manifestation of either what he wants to see or what he fears. It's something psychologically happening with. Him, and I don't think there's any guarantee that if Harlan were to look at Videodrome, he would see similar content. And I think the only reason that there's a shared reality of it's a torture program is because he imagines himself showing it to someone else, and in that imagining, Nikki confirms to him the images he is imagining. That is interesting.
1: Isn't there a part where maybe Dr. Oblivion says, like, or what's his name? The optometrist. Very convex. it's very convex. <laughs> says something to the effect of, like, it has to be kind of shocking yep, I have or that it line. can't get into your brain properly. It's
2: something about the exposure of violence, the, expo- the effect of exposure to violence on the nervous system. It opens up receptors in your brain that allow the videodrome signal to sink in. Um, I, mean, I don't this know. Is, this does, does feel like like the government's
4: fucking wet dream, though. <laughs> yes, this, like mind control technology where they just like wire you in and show you some like, And PBS like the and whole porn.
2: the whole idea is yes. And the well, it's. Buddy, it's Fox News. You just define what Fox News is. Oh, I my ever, God. The
4: amount of times in this that I was like, oh, my God, this is just about QAnon. This there's is just a about literal, like, media hallucinations creating their own reality. Oh, my yep. God. He's talking about QAnon.
2: There's a line from that's in the book and the movie verbatim that I actually tweeted when this happened. I think it was May of last year. There was like a shooting or something. Um, of, of course. There was a mass shooting. And on Fox News or at Fox Nation or whatever, Glenn Greenwald told Tucker, Tucker Carlson that tweeting death threats and watching porn is quote unquote an outlet for people who harbor a desire for murder or rape. And then he and Tucker Carlson argue that removing those safety valves of expression leads to things like the Capitol riots and all this total fucking insane right wing horseshit. And then you go and read that exact fucking argument made in Videodrome, the movie and the book where someone says, yeah, well, we have this champ Max Wren when he's asked on the the talk show. When he's asked why do you show extreme porn and sex um and violence on the on the program and he said well it's a safe outlet it's like the answer that i always compare to it's like when a parent would say well at least he's doing it in the house that's like <laughs> the argument um it's basically like um if they you know these people feel this way there's people who are violent and sick in the head and want to do rape and stuff and want to do murder and if we have channel 83 for them civic tv then that's a safe outlet and they won't go do that. But the irony is the ultimate irony of this book is it says, no, that's not that it's actually the opposite.
1: (laughs) It's so funny (laughs) that it's called civic TV.
2: Yes, it's perfect. Like it is not
1: making civilization better or more civil or anything.
2: It's like Fox news calling itself. It's like Fox news calling itself Fox news, which isn't, it is not news. It is opinion. And they've gone to court to prove that it is opinion. For the great
0: Fox. Oh, I, oh, (laughs) we're going a different way. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Exactly Um, It's just funny to see that ethos Represented in this movie Um, That he
1: feels he's doing like a civic duty To allow people to in their imaginations, engage with, like, violent pornography. It's like the
2: same idea of Westworld, isn't it? Like, isn't Westworld the whole idea? Like, mm-hmm. you want to go to a place... Wouldn't it
1: be fun to murder a robot? Wouldn't it no be fun to murder...
2: <laughs> exactly. And I think it's also the basis of a shitty Bruce Willis movie called Surrogates. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not here to talk about surrogates. Is there a book for surrogates? Yeah, no, I, mean, I don't think <laughs> a so. For surrogates,
1: <laughs> the lesson of Westworld, like, the original movie for Michael Crichton, is very much like... Wouldn't it be fun to kill a robot? Yes. The robots think that too. (laughs) Wouldn't it be fun to kill a person? Right. And then we're in terrible danger. I really
2: love that movie and I can't stand the show. No,
1: the movie absolutely rips. Yeah. And it's like robots are evil. There's just inherent evil happening here. Um, Technology is corruptible in the most basic ways. Anyway, not to talk about Westworld.
0: So we'll return to (laughs) the concept of what is Videodrome? What are people actually seeing? Because I want to go deeper on that. But... <clears throat> While we're still early in the book, uh, Max goes to work. We get this scene in the movie where he goes to work and they watch Samurai Dreams, and he's not into it. And James Wood, per- James Wood's performance to me is very shrugging, right? Like he's playing cool, calm, collected, but he doesn't seem to be staking his entire life on this Samurai Dreams issue. In the book, he is it's, really he's very, yeah. He's barely awake. Yeah. In the book, he is really going, uh, Samurai Dreams is bad, and it represents everything that's wrong with this industry. But I have to be so tactical about how I handle this. Yes,
2: And that's how he handles everything in the book, where like, even the stuff like introducing the idea that there needs to be more hardcore and extreme content. He won't say that himself because he doesn't want the board to eventually cut off his head. If that fails. So he lets the other people talk about right. it and then goads them towards it. So, and the, the book and again, describes all that. He thinks right. he's so in control too, where he's yes. like,
4: let me just make my argument. You'll pick up the ball and run with yeah, it. It's an, in. he's trying to decide, trying to incept hardcore them. Pornography. It's just yeah. it's so funny. That's exactly right. He's, he's trying good. to
0: incept them for hardcore porn on <laughs> page 18. It says, uh, uh, I don't like it. Said Raphael, the creative director locked his hands behind his head and kicked back expansively. Max could almost see the wheels spinning behind his bulging forehead, balancing time slots and projecting overnight chairs. At least he's not brown-nosing, thought Max. Or maybe he is. Maybe it's just that he can read my face, what's underneath this bland expression, more accurately than Moses. It's not tacky enough. And then, of course, Max is like, what do you mean it's not tacky enough? And the book differs a little bit here, because the guy in the book goes, not tacky enough to turn me on, which is an interesting... Very self-aware admission by this dude. Uh, and then Max thinks, And what would turn you on? Jordy Howe in a rubber dress? No, nothing that radical. But it's okay. We're getting somewhere. When even Raphael, with his short-sleeved shirts and corn-fed baby face, starts admitting he's bored, maybe there's hope for the rest of us. Kitsch is like popcorn. Empty calories. It's not going to satisfy an adult appetite indefinitely. And we're supposed to be beaming our signal out to an audience of of adults. And my executives are supposed to be representatives of that audience. They probably are. They're more typical than I'd realized. So don't push them too hard. They'll open up. The barometers of public opinion may move exceedingly slowly. But they do move. Eventually. Give them a chance to think of the alternatives themselves. That way, it will stick. They'll think they invented artistic progress on their own. If I try to ram my own ideas about programming onto the airways without their general support, they'll see me as a threat to what little job security they've got now. And I'll have a mutiny on my hands. And James Woods in the movie is just like, I don't like it. Yeah, There's yeah. two
1: points in that that I think are... <laughs> kind of fascinating coupled with slightly earlier there's that can we get away with it do we want to get away with it right yeah one in canada can you just show porno after midnight or something like do do they not have broadcasting standards like that like because you can't do that in america
2: yeah i think that's what it was like in the 80s and like they even they touch on that as like the broadcast commission you know they would absolutely say this is piracy and this is bad and not al- allowed to be on the airways, but they're all asleep at that hour and nobody's complaining because the people that are watching it, the people that are up late are fine with it and they're not going to complain. So it's just kind of <laughs> like this wild west gray area thing that before regulations definitely okay stop stuff like this
1: from
0: happening. Yeah. It's my weirdest prejudice. Everyone with insomnia is a pervert. He-
1: yeah. <laughs> that Max is like, look, we're the soft core is boring. Now we have to go harder. And he sees that as artistic progress, that if they're going to get in trouble, if they're going to say like, we might not get away with it. He wants it to be so hard that it's a worthwhile step forward. in like the art of broadcasting pornos. Mm -hmm. Am I reading that right? Yeah. I like how
4: he's like, he's like a little bit insecure about it. Was I too horny in that? Uh, (laughs)
1: he's
4: He's like, I think I'm getting weird, and I'm like, "Yeah, baby,
2: you are." You don't even know. You don't even know how weird you're about to get. <laughs> there, there are so many things. Um, not to go back, but like, uh, in that Samurai Dreams meeting scene, he, I love the anticipation that audiences. Um, I mean, this is something that was probably happening at the time too, but it feels TikTok era stuff. The the line that anticipates audiences that don't pay attention to stuff. He's like, "My audience isn't going to see all 13 episodes of this." you have to show me the last one because people are going to skip right to it and like i love that idea of like predicting like binge mentality kind of and secondary experience viewing second screen viewing and shit like that i just feel like it was also ahead on stuff like that
0: i thought what was happening there was that someone with artistic vision had created a series that had character and and plot arcs that built naturally yes. and culminated yes. in some sort of sexual yep. way. And that they were cutting yeah. it off at the knees and going, we're, we wouldn't even be providing episodes 1 through 12. Right. We would just put yes. the it- fuck scene up and say
2: yep. sayonara. <laughs> he's like, there's yeah. two episodes of story that set this up. And he's like, no, 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 I don't care. We're getting this right is to the, the point. clip
1: yeah. culture where you just see yes. bits and pieces.
2: Exactly. Why would you watch later, a movie with like, tits in it when you could go to Mr. Skin and watch <laughs> uh-huh. the tit scenes from the movie. And
4: yeah. It, you you can see his executive brain working when he's watching video for the first time and he's asking Harlan like when does the plot start and Harlan's yeah. like
3: who, who and, and, and it's
4: funny to think yeah. about this later where he's just there with the fishing rod just really yeah. his, like baby. <laughs> who are these characters? There is no plot. Yeah. It's just yeah. people getting tortured and murdered, baby, and he's like, "Do that?" I love
2: this. I cannot
4: <laughs> yeah. wait to put this on my movie channel.
2: Yeah. It's it's a perfect like satire of where we are basically now. It's just <laughs> um, clips, baby. It's just clips. It's just an endless
4: scroll of video content that you don't need context for.
1: I also love the the part where Masha, I guess, is like, "It's real, honey." And he's like, no, yeah. it's not. It's so much safer and cheaper to fake it. It's easier for <laughs> everybody if you fake it. Why wouldn't you fake it? Um, in the, So like, naive. Posting for clout so is like, of course, you're going to do fake things. And then once in a while, someone's like, something insane happened to me. And everyone's like, that seems fake, right? That didn't happen to you. <laughs> People say fake things all the time. Are you, wait, what? We're there.
0: But that also, whether Videodrome is real or not, speaks to the central, like, hunger that's happening inside of Max and others in this movie. Like, he makes that point about it would be cheaper, it would be safer to have a fake video videodrome where you gave the viewers all the thrills of torture. But of course you're not torturing people. That's crazy. And the defiance of logic there, I think, is really interesting. Whoever is doing this, if it's real... ...is really in it for the actual torture and the actual
1: killing.
2: Um, it has a philosophy. This, this exactly. And that philosophy
1: is real things are more important.
2: <laughs> this movie <clears throat> predicted ogrish.com and LiveLeak and us looking at... Those are websites where you could see people be beheaded in the oh. early 2000s... ...if you were a sick fucko. Like, you know, we all stumbled upon shit we shouldn't have seen on the internet. And some people oh, yeah. actively sought it out. And there were those websites... And this movie, I mean, I feel like Faces of Death came out like four from maybe like six or seven years before Videodrome. But it does feel like this was already out there. Like the idea that people wanted to see uh, extreme images and the idea that they were real is actually enticing and a selling point. That was what Faces of Death was, even though it's clearly most of it is fake or all of it's fake and staged or clips from, you know, wherever they're from. They're real, but they're, you know, not like murders they're just like, it's like surgery footage or whatever mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. it definitely was a prediction of um the idea uh, on social media now like i used these things used to be behind walls on ogres.com where you had to click and say beheading of a person in war do you want to see this now you open instagram you could just see that and like that is a engagement hack people are using now is to show extreme violence from the ukraine because like people wanna people will inherently if there's like a footage that says, watch this guy in Ukraine get his head chopped off. People are inherent. Like, it's just human nature. People want to see that, even though you watch it and you realize, no, you fucking don't. That will haunt you for the rest of your life. I beg you, oh, yeah. don't fucking do it. Morbid I've done it. Morbid curiosity
1: is a you, dangerous yeah. aspect to the human nature. This is a movie <laughs> about like,
2: morbid curiosity. Yeah.
4: I think it's, it's, it's like, yeah, it's about the like moral call of the void stuff, right? And I think that's there from the very first opening when dreaming that he's in the Samurai Dreams tape where he's like, I cannot wait to cut myself. He's like, I'm going to stab myself and cut and my entrails are going to come out. And so much of this movie is like, as soon as that earworm gets in his head, he's like, I got to fucking chase this. Like I got to go, I got to see what it is. And, and I really like, this is kind of the the conversation you guys are having about like, like, what do you, what do you seek out? But also what do you create? And this is in the book, like the very end of chapter five, when Masha asks him like, What would you create and he can't help but wonder like and and i think that's sort of what this what this movie and what this book is for him is him creating like action for himself like pulling out the flesh gun and making a stand and figuring out his own philosophy for the first time instead of just being this like peddler of like snuff films and stuff and like yeah that idea of of I just love how she puts that idea in his head and the and the chapter ends with him being like, I can't can't stop thinking about what I create, but what, what I create. It just like it's a cool trampling character, I think.
0: Let's talk about the reality of Videodrome, because it keeps getting in the way of other yeah. points I want to make. Like I want to talk Please. about Nikki, but then <laughs> I, I, I don't think Nikki's be over-thinking a real person. It. What do you what are you say it again? I was I was saying like I for example, I want to jump into Nikki as a character, but then I yeah. can't even decide if she exists. So I think she
2: does. I think you can think she exists until she doesn't, and then she's like a projection or whatever. She, exists, I think she exists
1: as much as Brian Oblivion exists.
2: Well, uh, yeah, because the 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 tel- television screen is the retina, which is of the mind's which is eye. like
4: which is you know, Hannah. I've met you in in flesh, but like Andrew, never seen you in person. Yeah, dude, Brett, this same. is the first time I've ever yeah, seen your face. Yeah, exactly. Like,
2: are you a real
0: human? I have Andrew idea. Li-
2: Andrew lives in my computer.
0: In my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. What's yeah. the difference, bro? <laughs> if I'm not I know. real, I have a lot of sway in Hannah's life uh, for,
1: <laughs> for code. Yeah, you're ruining my real-life well, existence.
2: AI is very powerful these days. Like but
1: the concept that Brian Oblivion has taped enough content that his daughter is able to produce an it's, answer to any question, which is the, okay. like, could you take the video file of James Dean and make a bunch of new James Dean movies? But that's also, I, that's
4: how I, that's how I, it, my my understanding of like jordan peterson for example is that same sort of like platitude forward Mm -hmm. just like
2: bullshit that you only see and like it's definitely making fun of that idea i think you're right yeah but also is it inherently
1: unreal if it's applicable i mean it's like Like just because it's nothing doesn't mean it's not something is sort of what's happening people will interpret it people
2: love to interpret stuff I yeah. I love the cut to him in the movie that like the reaction shots that he has for himself, where he's like listening. He's, like you can tell he's like hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He, goes, <laughs> yeah. And he He'll, like turn. <laughs> yep. Exactly. It's so great.
0: I guess my central question about the nature of Videodrome is yeah. What are the goals or politics of the people who made it? Why are they using? max ren to implement it aside from the fact that he has this station well, and what is that the is end the reason. game yeah. result? like what 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 would they want to happen
2: um let's see i'm trying to like see if there's something i could read that would better explain no, it no i'm okay with people saying it. what they just yeah.
0: what they think it is my 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 issue with it is the same issue that i have with say anti-vax conspiracy theories which is I don't understand why they would implement something that was so mentally degrading and and possibly homicidally damaging to a population they wish to control. Wouldn't it just basically eliminate that population and put people they consider, the villains, considered to be innocent in danger because they're making people go fucking nuts?
2: Spectacular Optical is a front, right? It's a front company for like what? An arms. What I'm that company. far behind? What
4: it makes it makes glasses <laughs> for the third world, and it <laughs> makes what is it? Bombs for NATO yeah. or something? Yes, exactly. <laughs> right.
1: that in the book was so like oh heavens what they're doing is awful and the delivery (laughs) in the movie is so funny where he's like we make glasses for the third third world and bombs for nato NATO. to equal hilarious really funny
2: yes so um their goal is to use max to beam the videodrome feed out to people who are depraved enough to watch something like videodrome (laughs) it's inherently you know it's like a little inherent little joke of a project but the people who are sick enough to watch Videodrome will then get the tumor in their brain that allows them to be little controllable hitmen for this company. Like it's that simple, I think, or is that not enough?
0: No, that's it's, great. And then yeah. my next question because yes. the climax of the film, I mean, we're jumping all over. I'm not I'm not wrapping up.
2: Yeah, I mean there's also Brian Oblivion's thing which was trying to use this to like create a new which is like more what crimes of the future ends up being about, but like it's Brian Oblivion trying to create Trying to be like, okay, technology is changing humanity on a fundamental level. We have to adjust ourselves and become the new flesh to do that. And then this company took that idea and bastardized it. And that's why he's dead. So like, there's that whole plot going on while Barry Convex is like the evil corporate guys who are using it for... Nefarious. That risks. makes a lot of where, sense. It, it it
4: feels like it feels like the LSD experiments, where it's like this could sort of open up the mind of the populace, give yes. them the critical thinking skills required. Exactly, to like, and the Ketha Ray, Ray mission we're is like
2: what is Height Asbury, whatever that uh comparison, whatever however that tracks out. It's mm-hmm. definitely com- a comp- comparable to what you're talking about. Like, and
4: I, other like, other I like I yeah. like that their their overall plan is to do it through the side. They're not trying to like take over NBC or something like that. They're yeah, like, it's a little and,
2: shitty network that no one. But it reminds yeah.
4: me of like all the conservative news channels that came yes, out. Infowars. Like, like, where did Newsmax come from? Yes, when did exactly. OAN become become something that I have to give a shit about? And exactly it's like, right. When did when did Civic TV became become the most like hypnotic talked about like influential cable news channel in the world? When you start why showing why things, everyone you can murdering each yeah. other now.
2: When you start showing things you can't show other places, people are inherently interested, mm, which is exactly tubi. what you're talking about. This,
0: I was gonna say this was <laughs> me when enough. they yeah. announced the cast of Bridgerton season three. I was like, Bridger
1: what? <laughs> and that's season Netflix. That's my baby. I just like, saw a yeah. ton of Instagram like reels because I'm not on TikTok. I'm too old for that. About G- Jury Duty, which is on freebie Hysterical or something. Hysterical show. Yes. sounds great. The only thing I've I ever watched
2: on freebie. Yes. Never
1: heard of it, and suddenly, like, I got three or four things in a row that like this show's so funny. James Marsden, whatever, blah blah. blah. And I was like, I'm being Videodrome-incepted to go watch I mean, yes, this that thing on fucking <laughs> freebie, exist. a thing that doesn't exist. Uh, yeah. To have, I don't know what kind of experience.
2: <laughs> um. There's also a lot of stuff about like very Convex. They're, like, using the Videodrome hallucinations as, like, chat GPT, basically. It's like the human brain... Imagine the artists yeah. of the future. They're the people who can focus their Videodrome hallucinations and shape them and control them, and we can print them out and make them, in, you know, it's... So it's eventually such an,
1: it, he's able to make his hallucinations real, right? Like, physical mm-hmm. manifestations of his hallucinations, and that's where the new the Flash? Yeah. Quote-unquote? Um... So to me,
4: I was like, I was like, is is the new flesh as both a like radical
2: organization? It's like a radical organization, but also like as a philosophy,
4: it's like, that's how you get sort of good radicalized. You, you cut through, you hit the 5d reality. You can no longer be Manchurian candidated. And then you just get to like, it's like you, you've seen the matrix. You can fight the matrix yeah, I
2: think mm. that's sort of what like the new flesh so it's is not as like the but the new But you got the new the <laughs> new flesh the new flesh exists to take down Videodrome at this point uh-huh. Like that's what the organization is. So on Bianca Oblivion's orders That's when he starts killing people and then the in the order to come right the bad people and in order To like kill Videodrome completely. He must ascend to the next level and leave his old flat the old flesh and then yeah become like a very oblivion figure who doesn't exist anymore or yeah. <laughs> dead or something um yeah i mean it's a lot to take in for sure <laughs> but like you know what i would say crimes of the future helps parse all of this because i feel like it parses a whole it like goes for into further detail on all these things via the mm-hmm. lead in crimes of the future because he ends up Beco- you know, eating the plastic at the end and becoming one, you know, joining the radicals who are deciding, that's exactly, it's the same movie, it's the same Which is just becoming plot. a new species, yeah. It's, it's like, becoming a well, new species, yeah. We're, we're holding on to this
4: thing, why? It's arbitrary. I'm just gonna go be like a, a 5D yeah. cathode ray god now, like that sounds great. Yeah,
2: you've gotta give in to the idea that like the TV is the future and uh, yeah, become become a and part think, of it.
4: And I think, yeah. w- in, in terms of hitting the new flesh part of it and, and transcending the like drone, we're controlling you part of it. I do like that, you know, being radicalized gives him a little bit more autonomy when Bianca Oblivion's like, you should go kill these people. He's not like, yes, must kill. He's like, yeah, yeah no, you're right. I think I'm on board with this. And yeah. I also think that the ending of it feels kind of tick to me in, in terms of it being a movie about faith and in terms of it being a movie about like having the courage to transcend in that way. Not that like, you know, like, yeah, yes. At the end, he does die by suicide essentially. But, like, there is that, like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to let your body die. I've just always thought that that kind of stuff is really, really compelling and everything. And at the end of it, like, it is Nikki sort of promising him a life together. It's like, look, remember that one time we fucked and I let you pierce my ears? Wasn't it great? We could do that forever in the 5D reality. Just, like, come with me. And I it really works for me. It does.
1: So... Is the idea that she has genuinely transcended into the new Flash, but kind of on the side of Videodrome? I That's think, what I I'm think, confused uh, about, too. Or in did, the book did Videodrome kill her, and Look, now they're it, appropriating her image? Because I agree. I'm uh, not agree.
0: It helped me a lot, Brett, that you uh, laid out that this, this whole movement is a thing sort of without morality. Like, humanity just is moving into a video era, and we've got this one... Sector that's doing it for evil And another sector that's doing it for good Great basically solves all my problems I don't understand yeah. as Hannah is Saying how Nikki Brand Is taken down By the evil and Then becomes the Avatar for the good At the end that seems to- I mean they're just
2: Using Videodrome's like using Her image to seduce Max I just Think it's like she's The person that he was interested in when they Hooked her when they got their hooks in him. So they're using I'm her totally fine with to, that. To coax him. That makes total
0: yeah. sense to me up through uh, like act four of this nine act movie. Uh, <laughs> but it's really the ending where he seems to have landed on a place where he's team oblivion, not team uh, convex. And even then... Nikki Brand is his avatar into whatever's happening next. She's the one saying become the new flesh. And that's what I don't understand because isn't she an avatar being puppeted by Videodrome?
1: Or is she one of his hallucinations again that he now gets to make say what he wants? Or Or is it
0: just logically (laughs) consistent and the ending of the movie is actually a downer? does he turn against them and ultimately they get him to blow his brains out. Well that that is okay yeah earlier i was talking about like th- this being the perfect mk
4: ultra machine you can just like make people watch a videotape and they go kill somebody but even better than that is they kill three people and then you get them to kill themselves problem solved yep you got no more thing
2: closed the loop loop anymore. closed yeah. to use the looper terminology which yeah, i'm using exactly. for no reason. <laughs> and like i think it's very Important that the movie ends with him literally reenacting what he sees on television, uh-huh. which is uh-huh. what the movie's all about. The TV shows an image of him shooting himself in the head, and then he does it.
4: And, and I think, yeah, I think my take on Nikki Brand, I think there is an element of her being sort of a kindred spirit with with Max in terms of her yeah. being perfectly conditioned for. Well, he
2: needs a second. You know Ooh, how this the, the thing. being she needs a witness, wit- dude. He needs yeah. a witness. He's gotta have a
4: teammate. <laughs> Uh, but it's that thing where like, and this is more in the book, but they're talking about her needing like a higher dose, right so she goes, she auditions for videodrome i think they I think they do kill her, I think they do kill her, but I could see them being like you're on you're you're in the clay room, she's yeah. watching the t v and then it's like she could have also just like you know killed herself to transcend intentionally, so they're still able to use her likeness for their sort of like you know uh mask machine bullshit but i still think that there's a there's a version of her there's a a piece of her soul that exists more in like the 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 good guy video drum world that makes sense like that's just how i've sort of and i know it's not a satisfying answer but mentally that's how i've sort of just written it off it's like yeah no they get to play with her name image and likeness because they have the ai machine but her soul still exists as like a a capital G
2: good it's, angel floated through our dude, reality. I think I just, I think I just cracked it while you were talking. I think while you were, you just helped me crack it while you were talking through it. The, I have no idea what you just said,
0: but I've had an epiphany. <laughs> no, I got. No, I'm, it. I'm kidding um, you, Brett. I,
2: I'd, I'd only there's a uh, Barry Convex says or uh, they're talking Max Wren's talking to Barry Convex about the artist of the future thing using video hallucinations or whatever, and he says well, video like someone just told me not to listen to you. Should I listen to them? And he says, I'd only listen if it's an established brand name. And I think that is just like they're using Nikki. Like, Nikki Brand isn't just called Nikki Brand as a fun name. Like, there's a reason um, branding mm-hmm. isn't... And the way that convex is like an eye retina. Yeah, thing. of course. Like, Nikki Brand is called that. I think it had a lot to do with, like... Nikki, Debbie Harry's casting, I think, it, it informs a lot of the character... As like Nikki Brand is bringing a lot to the role, we all think of Debbie Harry as some sex pot, and like she's bringing all that to this as well. Um, I just think, God, I'd, I'd only listen to him if he's an established brand name. They're using, they're basically using that established brand that Max trusts to infiltrate him. I would say, but like I think we're overthinking the Nikki Brand stuff in terms of like the literal meaning of if she is or who she is or where she is at certain times. I just think. Yeah, she's more like representative of the kindred spirit, so to speak. Like, like you're saying,
1: she. I don't has think to like teach him to be comfortable at enacting violence too. Yeah, is part of her role. Yeah, yeah. And,
4: and in that hellraiser way, where it's like it's not all, it's not all evil. It might all be kind of scary. It might all be kind of prickly, like. But like there, there's a pleasure in the pain. And-
2: Demon to some, <laughs> angels to others.
4: Absolutely. <laughs> yes.
1: Like uh, him. Like when she's like, "Cut me," and he's like, "Oh God, no, girl, that's scary." Who's doing someone to else you? cut her?
4: Yeah. In the movie, he's <laughs> yeah. just confused, and in the book, he's like so jealous. He's yeah. Like, you mean you let other boys cut you?
1: Boys <laughs> I don't mis- want to <laughs> do it, yeah. but I don't want anybody else doing it either. Uh huh. Um, and then when he pierces her ears, he's like, "Oh, it is very sexy, actually, to hurt you and hear you moan and create fluid and whatever." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean
2: the very convex thing i just think it you it just boils down to your look it's a movie about how video can be used by nefarious organizations to influence behavior which we've seen in the in our 2023 reality 24 hour news cycles 4chan fucking the dark web like we all this shit has come to has come to light and like the Fox News thing I was talking about earlier, like Glenn Greenwald and telling Tucker Carlson about um, their be- like the internet uh, tweeting online death threats and shit being an outlet for stuff. That was a response to the idea that this mass shooter was radicalized by views espoused regularly on Fox News. Like the Jews did this, Muslims did this. Then they go out and kill Muslims and Jews and say, oh, we didn't say that. And they, you know, it's just, that is what it's about. It's about for political gain whatever it is like and it's manifested in our reality as the republican party uses the most watched cable news show as a propaganda propaganda arm to get republicans elected but also to like target fucking minorities and immigrants and like they are getting them killed in mass shootings and they do know that they're doing that and they will not stop doing that so it sounds like this movie science fiction and stuff but what really gets me every time i watch it i'm just like god damn we are living in the reality that this movie predicted and that is fucking chilling to think It's about.
1: crazy how like something was happening in the early 80s about snuff films and like yeah. what watching those and experiencing those could do to you um then in the 90s there was all of that like do movies and video games cause violence in our schools and the general consensus i think among intellectuals was no of course not there's larger yeah. things happening that cause these children to act this way it's not watching the matrix
2: yeah marilyn manson records
1: right and then we like yeah. came out of that into like oh no television causes violence actually well it's now like, we it's live not, there. it's not
4: the it's not the artificial content that causes violence it's like the reaction to the movies like i feel like that's more dangerous mm. it's not like Oh my God! There's a violent video game, but it's all these people being like, "These people are with their violent
0: video games are trying to take." Them.
2: Yeah, it, I mean, we're recording this.
0: Wait, Hannah, are recording told, this. Have I told the story about the video game Rabbi Unauthorized before?
1: I don't think so.
0: Oh, uh, when when I was that in high delightful. school, we used to have these like speakers come in sometimes to just like talk to us in our non-denominational chapel, whatever. And uh, one time it was a a rabbi and they must not have had him give a practice speech or something because he just got up in this very serene ceremony and started going, video games cause violence and we need to take them for the children. He was like screaming and it was horrifying. And then really late into this barrage on our senses, He, like 20 minutes into yelling at us, he goes, and you know how I know that they do? We're like, uh, how, sir? And he's like, well, I used to love cops and robbers shows as a kid. And so one day, when I was nine, I walked up behind Uh a police officer. I took his gun out of his holster. I put it to the back of his head. And I said, beg for your life, pig. (laughs) This is a
1: rabbi? Yeah. And then he turned to God? Yeah, and but he
0: was he, he was like, well, I'm an unhinged psychopath, and thus I know media's bad. Oh my god.
2: <laughs> oh my god. So like, I don't
0: know, man, maybe there are some other factors. Yeah, you
4: might just be generally unstable. <laughs> this,
2: <story. laughs> this is reminding me of the cringiest but truest meme I always see, which is like, fox news did to our parents what they said video games did to us Ooh. and it is very true though this episode we're recording right now after a week of like four unrelated shootings that were basically the result of fox news brainwashing an old person to the point of when I mean, a like, young, everyone's trying to kill you everyone's trying to kill, you. kill you. you everyone's trying to kill you everyone's trying to kill you, you especially especially a black person they're trying to kill you so if a black kid who's like i don't remember 14 or something 14 yeah if a black kid knocks on your door or doesn't even get to knock on your door but steps on your property and you have a gun fox news has told you you better fucking protect your property from that black scary black person and kill them and that is what is happening we're we're about to start seeing a proliferation of this shit because one happened and then like fucking four more were reported in the next and one of them was like a
0: young white woman so it's like transcending racism now Oh 100%. They were still in their cars. Yeah. yeah,
2: it like 100% speaks to this Fox News radicalization thing. It's like uh, there's a philosophy behind it. It really is as as bankrupt and stupid as elect Republicans. It all that's what they're boiling it down to, but it manifests through this these horrible things like racism and violence for the reasons that Videodrome gets into. It, there's something about violent behavior that and that you know, it affects the human brain that makes people it makes people sympathetic to your views, mm-hmm. which is why Fox news just peddles and scares scaring people 24 seven. And it's just like this movie predicted that type of insidious behavior. And it, I don't think anyone ever thought it would actually be this bad. Like a, like a science fiction horror film prophecy from the eighties yeah, yeah, would yeah. come, become our like very monotonous reality. Like this is our reality, but it doesn't manifest as science fiction. It's just like, Oh yeah. People are armed to the teeth with, easy to access guns now and the TV is telling them to, to to kill everybody to like that they need to get guns and protect themselves it is a, it's it's just mind-blowing anytime I watch this movie I'm just like yeah they got at that but that was also just one facet of what this movie's about
0: yeah it is it is spooky and- I I want to jump in for a second just because I feel like we're a little far from the book I want to jump in on some of the psychological stuff that the book uh introduces just this is one of the duties of the novelizationist right is that you Look at the characters from the film, and you go, "I've got a take on why they're like this, or what makes them what they are." Um, and with Nikki, there's this great passage where uh, he's watching her. I think do her radio show, and oh, yeah, uh, or maybe it's not. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's when they're watching video drum together. But he's just sort of looking at her and it's is it
2: the fleet is it the feet splashing through water moment
0: no, no no it's okay he's yeah. he, there's
2: a lot of like really good descriptions of the fucking murder room though. yeah he's i just wanted yeah no
0: we'll we'll definitely talk about the video drone room um he's yeah. just sort of thinking about nikki and it says she is he thought that rarest of individuals someone utterly unencumbered by moral qualms of any kind at least none that i've seen so far She's completely separated her intellect from her animal nature and is able, apparently, to live comfortably with the dichotomy. Professionally, she may be one thing, but privately. Or perhaps she has not divided herself at all. Perhaps both sides have become one, totally, so that there is no seam. I wonder. I should listen more closely to the things she says. One thing is certain. Her behavior is so far to the left That she makes me defensive. Or is it the right? He couldn't make up his mind. Probably neither, he thought. She's above anything as mundane as politics. Or so she thinks. And this comes a couple pages before Masha pitches him on. What is it called? Uh, Apollo and Dionysus. Apollo and
1: Dionysus.
0: (laughs) And basically has the same discussion with him in a different context where she goes do you uh, relate to Apollo or Dionysus? And he's not really pay t- paying mm. attention. And she goes, because, you know, Dionysus is all about pleasure and he's not hindered by moral qualms, but Apollo is about, you know, responsibility and being put together. And and it's these two scenes back to back of characters going, we contain multitudes and how do we let those multitudes coexist when one of them is for something is is a um affinity to like the very sensational, the violence, the sex, mm. what have you. Yeah. Um just just to say I mean,
1: Max's decision on both of those is they're the same. Yeah. There's no difference. Yes. Between being morally reprehensible or upstanding. Right, but
0: uh, I guess no, I agree with you. I I guess I'm wondering is that is that mentality Representative of the videodrome outlook on things all people are uh, Pigs all people are prone to violence Uh, so we're gonna judge them based on that or Is it more simpatico simpatic? I don't even think it's a judgment.
2: It's not a judgment. It's a use It's a Mm -hmm. use case like they're not judging them for being Perverts they're gonna use that to their advantage which I just think is
1: what the thing that makes them susceptible yeah,
2: and like to the drone. One of the notes I wrote down is just like, as a horror fan, like I have to admit, like he's tapping, they're tapping into something innately human, right? In our desire to see, I guess we talked about this earlier. It's our desire to see fucked up shit. And like, I'm not immune from that. Obviously I love very gory horror movies, but this is about harnessing that innately human thing and how nefarious forces can take advantage of that and how the television is a, is such a, is a very unique form of, of getting that information across and it poses a threat mm-hmm. and again it's just a not about it's not like a horror story about what television can do it's like just a story about people trying to adapt in a new world and that's again it took me seeing crimes of the future like six times to really be like wow this is just the, uh this is his new videodrome movie and it's just in continuing those ideas in an in a you know Different skin, essentially. It's
0: really important to me as a person, like living my life, to try to figure out how to live the rest of my life without becoming someone who despairs at future generations in the state of the world. I think one of the most embarrassing things you can do is to be a free love hippie type in the 60s and then be out here in the streets in 2023, you know, trying to take trans rights away or whatever. Like, at some point, you just lost it, right? Like, something got too liberal for you or you couldn't understand whatever. Uh, And that feeling in Videodrome, definitely in Crimes of the Future, something Cronenberg nails over and over again is we all like to say that we'll adapt. We all like to say that we'll be ready. But the actual feeling of change, it, it feels so radical that it, will yes, you percent. scary man Yeah. The TV yeah. at the end You have to Blow your own head off
4: Like that's what This movie's talking about Yeah
2: Yeah Give yourself to the cause uh, I wouldn't do it I'd live on the boat <laughs> <laughs> There's also a boat In Crimes of the Future mm-hmm. It's all there Um, I Have so many quotes From this Film critic I really like reading Walter Chaw Wrote a 40th anniversary piece For Videodrome And it appeared on RogerEbert.com. And it's so good. I want to read the whole thing. It's not that long. But I will read a portion I pulled. Um, The idea driving Videodrome is that the moment technology allowed individuals to consume only what they wanted to consume, they would become intellectually frozen and ideologically perverse. Max becomes fused with a video channel, with a gun, with paranoia and fear. The better to incite him to do violence to himself and others. Videodrome is a horror film, science fiction, prophecy, all of those things. And also a detective story in which the more the hero learns, the less he knows. A documentary now about how it is families that have been balkanized by a news entertainment channel that fed its weakest, most terrified members a steady diet of images meant to metastasize the petty, pitiful cancers of the mind that lie dormant in all of us.
0: Fucking beautiful. Yeah, done, that's, that's, that's king shit. That's great.
1: A nice piece of prose. That's, I mean, that, I, was, I don't know. As you said, as he learns more, he knows less. Really brought back to Matt's point that this is noir. That's exactly yes. what happens in good noir detective stories. Hundred percent. The deeper you get, that. the less sense it makes, and the worse your experience of being alive is. The more you learn about other human beings, about the society you're yeah. in, it suddenly yes. becomes like this is terrible. Wow. The Why world do is we too live corrupt. Like I, this? Yes,
2: I can't make an impact because the world is too mm-hmm. corrupt around me. You're right. It's maybe very I and could it's like, okay, by the say one end of it, friend.
1: It, 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 she's already dead, maybe I could save Masha, No, nope, dead. I never pegged yeah.
2: it as noir and and I, even when you said it earlier, I was like, I don't know, and then it all just clicked. You're mm-hmm. totally right. It's I mean, it is like, yeah, for, forget it, Max,
4: it's Videodrome. Yeah. You can either, like, put up with it or, like, blow your brains out and mm-hmm. maybe fight it from the other realm. Like, it is, like, I just keep coming back to that, like, the ending, the choice, the transcendence, the danger, how scary that is to actually, like, put up a fight, you know? It's cool. Right, we'll it's
1: crazy that shooting yourself in the head is positive, positive posited as an act towards resistance.
3: Yeah, and, and, not and
1: I guess total he, despair. Overall, the
4: mechanics of that, like, because I know it's 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 the video drum people saying, "Hey, go kill your partner so we can take over the radio station easier." Hey, go kill Bianca Oblivion because she's just a rock in our shoe. And then he goes to Bianca, and I don't know how she's able to sort of like tuck and roll into then enlisting him on Team Good. Do you guys know how that no, worked? No. Totally unclear like, to me
0: in both mm-hmm. book and film. And if that's like, like how, he- if this is the
4: metaphor like how does she take off his helmet? How does she insert the right tape to his belly? Like I was always confused about that.
1: Like is all uh, it takes is that she's able to remove the drum tape that's pulsing inside of him and replace it with something she- blank?
2: Well she shows him doesn't she shows him v- nikki being murdered on the videodrome set and that allows him to be reprogrammed mm. so it, it is she is the key to all of it and it's like them again using this it's using the one thing he you know is interested in for it's just it's just them dangling a thing in front of him so you know so to speak mm. and i think she does the same thing to him she yeah. shows him the murder and, and if then he's the reprogrammed. Thing, she's the thing that yeah. hypnotized
4: him originally to the bad side. Then she can be the thing that hypnotizes him to the good side. I
0: guess. But right. Mm-hmm.
4: I do like how I do like how much more the book spends with Nikki. Like not ne- not even like poorly, but she just pops up yeah. on video screens more. And I like how the the cover of the novelization is just Debbie Harry, and it's like the movie has Debbie Harry in it. It's just fun to think of her as the ultimate superstar. She's the draw, right?
1: Edition. She's the the bait. A couple more noir points now that I've sat with it for a second. Yeah. Nikki Brand is such a femme fatale. She's a danger. 100%. She dra- drags him into the dangerous situation. And then he also has, like, the nice girl, Bridie, his girl Friday, explicitly. Oh, his girl Friday, literally. His yes. secretary, who genuinely loves him, cares about him, and wants to help him. And he's too deep by the time and he the, realizes it.
2: And the book really sits with him talking about Bridie and like, ah, she's not, f- I don't think she's cute enough for whatever it is. Like, he definitely and is like, but I could convince myself that it's okay. Like, you can, you see all that.
1: The part at the very end where they say their final goodbyes, basically, and he's like, mm, she is cute enough. What was I yeah. thinking? Yeah. <laughs> she's great. And oh so now I'm, now she's too good for me as I've yeah. descended into or I'm health. too bad for her. It's, right, uh, exactly. I got
0: this one, Hannah. It's 151 and it is, uh, <clears throat> her eyes were brimming. For the first time, her makeup was less than perfect. It didn't matter. She looked better this way. She didn't know that, of course. Never would. And wouldn't believe it if anyone tried to tell her. Especially him. But it was true. At her back, silhouettes grouped outside the frosted glass door. She would do her best to stall them till hell froze over, or he told her otherwise. He loved her for that. He had never thought of it until now, but it was true. And pointless. A few years Mm -hmm. ago about the time he came out of college hunting up his first job. Perhaps if he had met her then, it would have worked. But he had ignored the nesting instinct, and now it was too late. Too busy laboring to make real his private fantasies, his chance had passed away as quietly as a pouring of sand, and there was no way left to make it up. It had not occurred to him that he was ever in danger of missing anything important. If anyone had tried to tell him, he had not heard. Bridie was timid. He probably would not have listened to her either. And now his options were used up, gone, and never coming back. There's a couple interesting things in here. He takes so many different routes. He goes, we could have been together at one point, but even then I think I wouldn't have appreciated her, which is a just a level of self-awareness. So you, gotta, you gotta put a crown on this guy. Uh, but, but also the, the thing about her being sort of too safe for him. Uh, There's something in this passage that speaks to me. Now, I'm not like, uh, I'm not pornography or sex work negative or anything like that. But it is possible for people to be too dependent or too addicted to pornography or or, or what have you. Um, I felt like this. Don John, for example. Don John. Uh had it all and he threw his life away. I think he has a happy ending, if I remember correctly. Um Yes. Oh I'm sure he did. <laughs> I Sorry. Thank you. But it it feels to me like this is the one part of the book that goes Hey, you know how I spent my whole life looking for the most fucked up detritus I could find on pirate airways, and then when I found it, when I finally found it, I looked at it as much as possible and tried to get as much of the the grime sort of into myself as I could. Maybe that and I caused, hated it,
1: and it changed me. <laughs> I hated
0: it, and it changed me, and maybe it caused me to miss things in life that the movie mm. never even flirts with that idea. I loved that this author was like, hey, what if there was a cost to living this way?
4: Mm -hmm. It does feel like uh, when I, so I was a very sheltered high schooler who like had never even seen any sort of drugs or drug paraphernalia, but all I would read was like a million little pieces or crank, just like all of these like drug memoirs, like these poppy airport drug memoirs and stuff. And I just like, they reminded me a lot of this, just these characters who have this chase, who have this like insatiable need. And again, for the first half, they think they got it. They think they're ahead of their addiction. And then the second half of them being like, I fucked up in such a specific and weird way. It's kind of insane. Uh, yeah. And I do like to, to think about Max sort of going through that process where, you know, about halfway through the book, he's like, this is... And this is an addition in the book when he's the first time that he confronts his his partner, Moses, like beats the shit out of him in a very Mike Hammer kind of way, Yeah. where it's like he has that line where he's like, I could always tell drug real from real real, but video real is something else. And it's like this new drug. He hasn't figured out yeah. how to implement it into his own reality. And he's just like, I just beat the shit out of someone. No, Moses, I did not punch you in the face. I promise. It's uh, it's good stuff.
0: Do you guys ever do uh, do this thing where, maybe I'll cut this if this doesn't make sense, but this book flirts a lot with the idea of uh, discerning what's real and if you see something on tape, it feels real and that confuses your mind. Do you ever find yourself in a bad situation where you're worried about something or you've made a mistake and you almost let yourself believe it didn't happen? Like, sometimes I go, if I heard everything had worked out, I'd feel fine right now. And then I start to feel better, and I go, wait, no, 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 that's a break with reality. You can't do that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Because if you get a text Um, that says, you know, actually false alarm, you know, this person's fine, or whatever, you're not seeing evidence of it. You're just getting a text, and it makes you feel better, and the warmth flows
2: through you. what's the... before those three quotes you read in the book, there's another one. It says, to those who feel the pain they see. Um, that's not actually the quote. I was like, I was, there was another quote from Brian Oblivion or Marshall McLuhan or something that I thought that that was. And it wasn't what I wanted it to be. So let's let that lie there. And ooh, what does that quote mean? It didn't mean what I wanted it to. Um, what I was trying to get at is the idea that like what you see on TV is reality. And that's what Brian Oblivion's messaging is. And that's what Marshall McLuhan, who... Brian Oblivion is based on iconic Canadian what would you call him? A media professor who like literally taught classes and wrote books and he actually taught David Cronenberg when he was hmm. in college. But the idea that, you know, a television show, I think the way Chaw put it was the idea that a television show could change the way we perceive the world, could blur the border between reality and sick fantasy used to be alarmist. Now it's too late to go back and we're in bad trouble. Um I think that is such an important part of it, like the, seeing things on TV and believing is why Fox News is so powerful. I hate to bring it back to Fox News, but it's my biggest like, lot in life is to run that company out of business as if I have any say in the matter. <laughs> you're really but, close to doing um, it. Thank you. I think we're getting there <laughs> with this episode. With this episode, we can bring it over the top. But that idea that television is reality, what you're seeing is reality, that is the exact, the entire basis of Fox News' success. They completely coast on the idea that, oh, it's the most watched cable news show in the country. There's no way that many people could be that stupid and wrong. It has to be mm-hmm. factual. That is literally their entire defense. Like, they just paid, what, $787 million for broadcasting lies. And they're uh, part and parcel. Which means that's pocket change to them. It, it's mm-hmm. nothing. It doesn't mean anything mm-hmm. to them. They were delighted to not go to court about it. And, like, the first thing they said is, you know, we are honored. For our 4 million viewers or whatever, whatever the number is. Crazy, huge number. And they're all they do is use it as a cudgel, as if to say, our viewers watching the show makes it real. That's like the whole mm-hmm. point. And it, it makes me sick to my stomach. <laughs> but it, it is exactly what you're talking about. The TV being reality thing. And it's so convincing that these people let it influence their behavior, even though... They don't, I mean, we we know they're being lied to, but they don't. I don't know. that's like a boomer I mean, question. I don't r- understand
0: <laughs> let's let's also address that not only is media reality to the characters in uh videodrome, but in the book, reality isn't reality. so and and by that, I mean, we have this passage on yeah. one thirty four where uh Max Wren. Uh, he's in, yeah, he's, he's, he's deep in hallucination land. Yeah. Right one of I'm the sure. many bathroom passages oh, yeah. and, and it, yeah. and, he, and it says, he
1: takes so many baths.
0: This guy takes so many baths in the book,
1: <laughs> like not in the movie, but like in the book, he's taken a bath every 20 pages. And then, and as a person who takes baths like four times a week, it made me worry about myself.
0: <laughs> and then he also My at wife's one, point one gripe, a bath he
2: can't yeah. take. Uh, the, the, we don't have a, a bathtub in our apartment, and it's mm, the, it's the bane of my You're wife's You to do the shape
0: of I water would thing. Fair. Just close the shower door and fill it up. <laughs> um, okay, so it says, uh, The mirror was steamed up so that there was no longer anyone to talk to. He was on his own. Maybe he always had been without knowing it. The people around him during the day, his staff, helpers, lovers, maybe they were all illusions, extensions of himself, fantasy, wish fulfillment, projections. If so, then so be it. Get a grip on yourself, he thought, and take charge. Shape and control your world from now on. No one else is going to do it for you. Should have been done long ago. If Harlan doesn't show, that will only confirm it. You can't rely on anyone but yourself. So get ready. You've got a lot ahead of you. Uh, It's interesting that he's going, uh, what if I was a solipsist? I'm the only real person. And instead of despairing about it, instead of finding that to be a horrifying Truman show-esque situation. He goes, you know what? At least I'd have some control there. Uh, and the t- my takeaway, I don't even know really what it is from that because on the one hand... Isn't it easier to
2: be a character on a set
0: path? Is that what you're saying? Maybe. Like, maybe. On the yeah. one hand, it's... You almost wish people would go... So be it. All I can do is what I do, right? Because that—that's the opposite of the Fox News things. That—that's somebody going, "All I can really do is be kind to others, or or what have you," uh, as opposed to just worrying about what I see all the time. Um, but at the same time, it's psychopath shit to go, "I'm the only real person, so who cares? Because whatever I do is me."
1: <laughs> I have another passage to feed into this. Okay. Very early on, page 41, the second time he sees Videodrome with Harlan, he says, come on, Harlan, I've never seen photography that was so realistic. Photography? What photography? Verite footage. Yeah. Yeah. Max Bristled. What are you trying to tell me? That you've got real live little people trapped inside this glass picture tube? Homunculi in a <laughs> bottle, right? Like in Dr. Cyclops. And then when you turn on the juice, they start to dance to beat each other's to death. Where's the camera work, Patron? There is no camera work, no movement, no editing. It's one reel after another without a break. All right, so it's verite footage. Like, the, the relationship they're having to Videodrome is that it's not just real, it's beyond real. It's realer than his video dreams. It's realer than his video vision of life. Oh, I like that. <laughs> um, yeah. It's maybe the only real thing is this, like, snuff film <laughs> that changes his brain chemistry.
0: So we've settled on the torture room is real and it really is made of clay yeah. and it's like videodrome as a weapon is a thing that has an image that is objectively true if you and I both looked at videodrome if all four of us did we'd all see the torture yes. room but underlying that as sort of a that is my a, a, a subconscious thing we're also being poisoned and tumored by the signal.
1: And yes. then our hallucinations would be different. Gotcha. Yeah, we would no not hallucinations. share hallucinations. Yeah.
4: Right, right, yes. right, right, right. But we would all be watching the same tape, right? It's just so. it triggers. It triggers, yeah. we, we all get a tumor from watching the tape, and then the tumor... Which causes our our independent hallucinations? Yes, and we're all so experiencing it, a different if you version were, of
2: reality. If you were obsessed with Debbie Harry, maybe they would show you Debbie. Boy, M. I am. Okay? I know. So like, <laughs> I feel I like am. I would. I would get Nikki Brand, <laughs> and you would too. It would just be. <laughs> we would both get Nikki Brand because who doesn't love Blondie? I watched her at Coachella last weekend on YouTube. It was fantastic.
3: Hmm.
0: I'm. I'm. I'm Have I you watch had watched any video hallucinations and, this week. How's that? been? Yeah. I watch video drones. Yeah, suddenly, done, done. I imagine I'm dating James Woods.
2: <laughs> Yikes. Well, we haven't talked about the layers of irony of James Woods becoming a Fox News. Yeah, he's in his been older fully
4: years. fucking video dromed now. Yes, Absolutely.
2: we haven't talked about that, but it's, it's, fa- it's it a makes, fact. It it just, go look well, at his Twitter I don't want to
0: go too deep in on that, but it it, it makes sense no. that someone could act in this movie and go. that
4: Be introduced to these ideas.
0: Oh, I wasn't even going to go that deep. I was going to yeah. say, I could see somebody. Pairing up with Cronenberg and going that Cronenberg's a freaky guy, that's a weird movie. And just not inspecting it for the deeper meaning. I think that's probably <laughs> oh, yeah. what happens sometimes. Yeah,
2: vagina in my stomach. It was a f- long day on set and the makeup
0: chair. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, cool. What else we have in this book? There's so much good stuff. Martin. Mm. It, yeah, rules. it is
4: it is well written. It's fun to read. It's yeah. Propulsive. I honestly I think it's it
1: sounds time to talk about the body horror. Oh, yeah, please, please do. Yes. I mean, the seam that comes and goes that opens into a writhing vaginal orifice. That's kind of a mouth, but mostly a vagina. His mm. handgun. It's so hungry, though. It's so hungry for things and information. The 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 tapes that are kind of alive, that are writhing and breathing. Very freaky weird. Incredible
2: effect in the movie, yeah. It's oh, yeah.
1: Really fun for me to watch that movie and be like, how do they, how do they do this? And a lot of the tapes, like the hand holding the tape is fake too. Yep. And All that's of that what stuff allows is so- it to breathe. In- or like when his chest yeah. opens up and he's wearing the holster, the holster yeah. allows for seams and yes. pieces and stuff. And I was like, this is also, fucking dope. Hot. And it looks like, hot cool. It's just and cool. so smart. I mean, James anytime- Wood's 0% hot, but... <laughs> <anytime> it- <laughs>
2: Anytime it cuts to an insert shot, you know you're in for something good. It's (laughs) gonna it goes like it truly does insert something somewhere usually in the insert shots. It yeah, all the close-ups of practical stuff being done is all
3: crazy.
1: He's like, Harlan, put your hand in me. We're about to have a sexual experience that's gonna kill you via a pretty bad pun.
2: The like, grenade thing,
1: yeah. Or the hand grenade. I never realized it
4: was a grenade
2: in the movie, and then in the book they're like, "It's a grenade." and I'm like, "Oh yeah, that is exactly what that is." Hand like, grenade. Yeah. Just never Funny, because it looks, grenade. it's covered in blood. It looks like a mic. Looks like an old fashioned microphone in the movie. Right. I like, like, one I of those 1950s like, I know that's not what Elvis mics look like. like. Yeah, he's
4: not been fully acidized.
0: No. Like, I, yeah, it is a grenade. I un- I, totally I totally thought, thought he just made it, that it was, Harlan's yeah. hand into hand bomb. Uh, I wasn't thinking about yeah. any real objects. Hand grenade.
1: The. The bit in the book where he... The first time he pulls out the gun and his hand and his gun are already...
3: Read it. When read it when it. that
1: doesn't happen immediately in the movie, I was, like, so disappointed, having already read the passage in the book where, like, the hand and the gun are already melded. And then it happens immediately after that. But, like, he pulls it out. Well, I it's like, like, that's just a wet gun. Bummer. My
2: favorite <laughs> shot in the movie that's, like, a weird... Like, the one that looks most like you're watching, like, a clay special effect or whatever with, like, the... It's like the chains, not like, what do you call it? The like metal thing going from his, from his arm to the his right, exactly. into the, his arm yeah. through
1: the gun. It's like yeah, the, oh. his
2: veins are now like metal tubing or whatever. And yeah, that shot that looks the, really funny.
4: I think it's the squirmiest effect in the movie. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That's the
2: one that makes me go. Yeah, because it's like, anything with like veins here, I'm like, I don't want to see it. I can feel it. I've had needles go into my veins. (laughs) I don't like it. I don't want it. There's like a veiny thing in the New Evil Dead that is kind of gross.
1: Not going to see it, I'm afraid. (laughs) I'm too scared. It seems too (laughs) scary gross. I get it. Goopy.
0: I think Goopy is really where I draw the line. I mean, I like Cronenberg, (laughs) but if you show me a horror movie that's someone's being chased by a killer, I'm going, okay, I can't wait to see what trouble everyone gets into. When the Evil Dead trailer, she's jumping out of the bathtub. She's all goopy. I don't do goopy. All right. So in (coughs) Videodrome, the movie, I think oftentimes when we go movie to novelization, the things that are sort of iconic or the things that stick with you the most about the movie are not necessarily the strengths of the book. You know, the book gives you uh different passages like and and often different scenes where that's you're going uh okay you know the the book sings here the movie sings here it must be said that jack martin whatever his real name is he does a great job of adapting the i put a gun in my tummy scene he does a fucking awesome job so Mm -hmm. it's on 103 and says uh He was hungry, by God. Physically hungry at last. He ran through a mental list of what he had left in the kitchen. Not much. Nothing there that he needed. He wondered what he did need. Without realizing what he was doing, he scratched himself with the stubby barrel of the gun. His stomach was itching again. He felt the gun sight catch on something. An unnatural fold of skin, probably, created by his nearly supine position. He blinked and glanced down sleepily. The seam running up his belly was back. Only this time, the raised line was puckered up into a protuberant ridge. Two parallel ridges, to be precise. As he watched, the twin halves of the seam engorged and separated like dry mucous membrane, pulling apart to reveal a livid interior. Max moaned, shook his head. No, 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 no. He stretched his eyelids fully open and moved his head on his shoulder to take in the rest of the room, to regain perspective. Uh, He's looking around his room. His stomach convulsed. He looked down. It was still there. Now the sides of the seam opened and closed, lips alive with their own rippling rhythm. The slit opened wider, and he saw deep red folds within, wet and hungry, pulsating like an ever-widening mouth. I mean, it goes and goes, but he is just positively nailing it and he's plussing up the scene from the movie in the sense that the itching thing we've all had Mm. gashes burns blisters tons of different types of wounds involve itching and you know i burned myself pretty bad on a candle a couple weeks ago it took forever to heal and It was super wide open, super bloody, and so you see that. You know what that is as a person, to just have sort of a hole in your body. And then as it's healing, it itches. And so me mentally, I connect itching with potential wounds, potential openings into myself. And Martin is using that logic in this reverse way, where the itching is a way that Max Ren starts to figure out that his body which was once solid, is unzipping and is opening up. Mm-hmm. It's fucking brilliant.
1: And that sort of... What I... Co- is maybe not body horror, but is horrific to bodies to me, of the itch is so bad that you're going to peel your whole skin yes, off. Yes, yes! Right? You're just going to keep opening yourself up until there's nothing left because the itch is so bad. In the same way that like his curiosity for snuff is an itch he has to scratch until he's nothing, yeah. until he's a think, bloody yeah. maw.
4: And to start this chapter with like the the physical hunger, just to start with that vocabulary, to start to start with that like relatability that we all have, I get it. And then to be like, right, but it's hungry. We're going to scratch a hole in your stomach and feed it again.
2: I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Ho- hopefully, I won't get there. Yeah. And the movie also. I mean, the movie gets. It starts with him scratching it with a gun, and it always makes me wince because of the reasons you're describing. It is very like, we've all had a scratch you want to just kind of crawl inside of, and it's gross. I to should say, say that I
1: my this feeling my- that, like, if you itch it enough, you can get it out, yeah.
3: Yeah. and then you'll be no, this- fine. Right. But
1: at this point, now your bones are exposed. I feel like that happens in. Oh, do you guys read The Ruins? Mm mm. Scott Smith's I'm, The Ruins. It's I've a, seen the movie. Yeah, the movie's not good, it's in pretty, my opinion. Oh, I liked it, oh, okay. but I haven't
2: seen it since 2008. Yeah, I've heard the book is good. The
1: book yeah. absolutely fucked me up, but there's a... The premise of that is, like, there's vines that get under their skin and are kind of eating them from the inside out. They're, like, malicious, evil vines. And there's a part in the book that i think is in the movie in some capacity where one of the girls is like i gotta get these things out of here and she's just cutting herself to ribbons and pulling out like
4: huge tracks
1: of like that feels like something that would be so so much harder to read she dies
4: oh yeah Yeah. to like to like read those descriptions it would give me it's like that book is full of
1: gb horrors and i would recommend it
2: have you guys read (laughs) american psycho on the pod? i've
0: read it
1: Yes. What we, oh, this um, book is so uh, American Psycho Brett, to me. To, I would love to unpack it a little. Brett,
0: not, to, not to get in an argument on Mike, but uh, because of our premise, we wouldn't be able to cover American Psycho because it's a movie based on a book, oh, my friend, Of course. So. But,
2: but of course, we course, as
1: human readers. The,
2: well, that book, you know, I always knew it was so controversial when it came out, and I never really understood it until I read the damn thing. Mm. And you're like, oh, this has... The most horrific violence I've ever had, I've never read described to me yeah. in a book before. And the movie absolutely skips all of that. Including the like uh uh rat in someone's rat vagina, and vagina thing. Yeah, like, that's that. the
1: really rough one.
2: That's the rough one. But yeah, it's you're right. When I feel like you were just saying, like, oh, it's so much worse to read that probably. I'm like, yes it was. It was worse to read all the horrible things that happen in American Psycho. Yeah. And, and, that's and like the my like murder example. apartment he keeps. That yep. so,
1: like when you return to that place and it's like rotting Flash. It's so unpleasant. Ready Ellis
2: is a sick puppy.
1: He is. I was thinking a lot about him while reading Video Drama. Actually, in the, like Less Than Zero, his first novel, has a a huge, a big section in it where they all watch a snuff film and are discussing, that's right. yeah, how real it is. If they like that, it's real. What they should do about it. And the main character is like, this is disgusting. I'm just going to walk out. Um, and that's like. <laughs> the the pinnacle of morality in that book is him being like, I don't really want to watch a twelve year old get raped and murdered, so I'm gonna leave. And then American Psycho has so much of the like, is it real? Is it not real? Does it matter? What is what about the nice girl in your life? What about these crimes you're committing and the violence that you need to feel like a person and to feel alive in any meaningful way? And what do your coworkers think of that? Are they doing it too? <laughs> like it all feels related to Videodrome to me. And I feel like there's a real chance that Brett Easton Ellis, who loves pop culture, saw Videodrome and was like, I have ideas too. <laughs> and yeah. I can. It feels like that kind of. These are part like, of me now, and I'm going to use I've it. I've never
2: thought about this before. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely inspirational text. I, I
0: like <laughs> yeah. Or not, I like Uh, So I was thinking a lot about the reaction to violence while reading this book, because the movie doesn't really concern itself with how people react to the things they see. And the only time the book really does is in that passage I already talked about where he says, like, maybe I've been missing things um, in life. I think one of the scariest things about this movie is that when people encounter the Videodrome, when they encounter this content that's so upsetting it's okay that they want to watch it. I'm not saying that Morbid Curiosity is itself wrong, but it's deeply disturbing to me that Max and Nikki and everyone find it important to appear chill about everything. They have to kick back and go, yeah, I'm watching, uh, I'm watching this crazy Videodrome thing. It's pretty wild. Uh, they can't go, what do you make of this? I find this upsetting. They have, everyone seems to be obsessed with acting like they've been there before. That
2: just seems true of human nature yeah. as well. Everyone wants to be in on the thing and be cool with yeah. the thing.
0: Absolutely.
3: Nobody wants to be the one that
0: leaves the party.
4: Like walking out of the snuff film is mm-hmm. hard to do if you're watching the snuff film with all your homies. Yeah, like man. The one who's like...
2: You know, the one but, who leaves the sleepover early? You don't want to be that guy. Well,
4: and it's funny. So I was raised really religious, and like so much of how we were sort of messaged our duty was like, you should always be that person to walk out of the snuff film. Like, if you're feeling weird, get you out of You got a throw there. pill it's that such says a, that, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> walk I, out of the I, snuff film. I'm looking film. at it right now.
2: Beautifully uh, embroidered. Look, yes. I
1: think if we but ever like, yeah. have merch as a podcast, that's it. You <laughs> like, it's just walk out of the snuff film. <laughs> years from now, years from now. Uh, but I do like the difference between watching the snuff film and saying, like, we're all cool with it because it's a film. There's a level of distance. And then when Max kills his partners at the station and every single person in that station is like screaming horrified terror, the, the being face to face with real violence is such a different experience. Oh, yeah.
2: That scene that scene hits me. In a way that, like, a movie that depicts a mass shooting today would hit me. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm terrified by violence that is, like, oh, a guy with a gun comes into an office and does the thing we all are sitting in our offices hoping doesn't happen to us. Do you see Vox
1: Lux? Oh, fuck yeah. So, like, I love that movie. I think that's a great movie. The first 20 minutes of it are the most, like, traumatic, upsetting thing I've ever seen because it's just a fucking school shooting and it feels real and horrific.
2: (laughs) 9-11. 9-11. Yeah.
1: Boom. <laughs> now maybe rocks. she commuted yeah. with the devil. Uh, the music is that amazing. Movie. That movie rocks. Yeah. I have a friend who went to see Vox Lux, showed up 20 minutes late, and <laughs> missed the school shooting segment. and was like just That like, was a totally normal movie. Yeah, he I was like, that was weird. It. it was so interesting. Like, what happened? What's going on with her? And I was like, <laughs> she was shot in a school shooting that we all experienced as viewers. <laughs> Do you yes. think that uh, Brady oof, Corbett
0: uh, asks... That his like significant others and whatnot that they that they mention other works that he's done because if somebody was like here's my boyfriend he directed Vox Lux and he's one of the two guys in Funny Games it'd be like ooh I don't know
2: <laughs> you <laughs> and saying he Vox loves yeah.
1: puppies like you gotta yeah exactly
2: <laughs> Vox Lux is currently four ninety nine on iTunes if you're interested in in purchasing and owning that wonderful film. <laughs>
1: Songs I listen to all the time. That's a movie that has a deep interest in like the visceral blood and guts of violence. Mm-hmm. Like right, all of her songs Absolutely. are about like bodies and blood and that. It's really anyway, not to get into it, because but it ri- it rips. It's so good. Someone
2: write
0: a novelization
2: of Vox Lux so
0: we
1: can talk, talk about, about it on Vox Lux. the
0: show. <laughs> yeah, I'm just uh, I'm going through some random thoughts here. I like that when he uh, goes to the. Glasses place and they they put the videodrome helmet on okay. him in the book He says it looks like a techno equivalent of medieval armor. That's evocative yeah. and accurate, which is awesome mm-hmm. Yes, it made me wonder like did
2: you see the the thing first did they have the drawing already or like did they do draw it? Or did they make it from that description. It's yeah, one of those. Oh, they did a
0: good job and, and yeah, it's a cool. It's a cool. We prop. also haven't mentioned great prop. his relationship with tvs and how they're essentially stalking him there's one one scene where a tv uh rises up out of one of his many bath times (laughs) the tv comes up out of the bath and talks (laughs) to him there's another one where he's outside of a electronic store and a tv sort of like wakes up and breaks through the window and starts following him around to the point where it recontextualizes the tv on the boat at the end when he kills himself to be Almost this old friend that has followed him through the movie. Video drone. It's videodrome. his TV
1: that he owns. Like it's the same brand, it's right. the same make yes. and model. It's his like cabinet TV. Right. So yeah, it is a buddy. He falls asleep to it every night. Yeah,
0: and it's like following him around in the book. Yeah. yeah. Just a significant difference. I wanted to cover.
1: Is that a difference?
0: In the in the movie. He there's a TV on the boat at the end, but you don't get the scene of the TV coming up out of the bathtub oh, or well, yeah. following okay, him gotcha. out of. The yeah, the bathtub store. is
2: like is like a yeah good deleted scene mm-hmm. that I enjoyed in the book, but I can see why they cut it, I guess. But no, it's cool imagery. It's cool
1: for sure. Anytime the TV set kind of like comes to life, um, in the book I think is very cool, and in the movie it's not the most successful effect. The sort of like rippling undulating wood paneling not as good mm. as a concept is you know to me can someone explain the transition from i am the video word made flesh into long live the new flesh like what's the journey that makes that change
2: huh it's a good question i don't know <laughs> if i have an answer to that one okay. I
1: don't so it,
4: either. Yeah. I feel like it's just like the, the intermedia, intermediate period of, of being Being a
1: preacher versus being it's, a god.
0: <laughs> yes, I love that. Absolutely. Okay. Is it like a father, son, holy ghost situation?
1: Yeah, because for a while, reading it, having not seen the movie, I was like, ah, the video word made flesh. And I thought, because I understood that like uh, the new flesh is part of the language of this movie i was like oh meaningful difference interesting they're not yeah. doing the new flesh thing and he's clearly like taking the like oblivion as a kind of pope figure who's like leading the religious change of the video world to say like i'm the video word made flesh i am the word of god here to tell you what's happening i was like got it understood then the new flesh stuff i was like oh, what?
2: well yeah the <laughs> suddenly new flesh- the rug was out <laughs> I get it. I get why you asked. um you know. Yeah. I think it's just the new. F- yeah. Once you. The new flesh being just like the f- final form that Brian Oblivion and his people are seeking, which mm-hmm. is like the evolution of technology with human humanity and stuff. I think that's just what he's getting at. Cool. In that moment, I suppose. Thank you. Sure. I just want to read Walter Shaw's essay. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you want me to, but it's it's every
0: line I just go, ooh,
2: yeah, that's fucking right.
0: <laughs> one thing I really love about this book is Jack Martin he'll put a chapter title if he's got one, <laughs> yeah, it's like
2: it's, none, 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 and then like occasionally there's a good one
0: the electric it's literally room chapter one whatever. chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, the electrified bunker <laughs> <laughs> so cool
2: i mean so cool. there's
1: there's then there's one that's like the new Flesh, chapter nineteen or whatever, and there's one at the beginning. Like it feels like he's creating act breaks, sort of, with some of that. Don't yeah, you, it felt like think? that for me too. It is a little bit it just like felt how like come early all of these authorized to me,
0: where it was like, oh, you know, if I'm feeling a game, I'll bring one.
1: And now, <laughs> it's also like the so chapter one has a f- header that says Samurai Dreams, and I was like, cool, chapter title. It's also in littler font. Then the electric bunker font. Is bigger, huge, yeah. And the new flesh font is huge. Mm-hmm. Like he's doing something on purpose, or whoever formatted this physical book didn't give a shit.
2: Is a, is a madman? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Could go either way. The retina of the mind's eye. Another header.
2: Great, great title. Mm-hmm. I love
0: that line. I want to talk about the ending <laughs> here because uh... the ultimate
1: spectacle.
0: Martin lands this thing like crazy. So, page 173, we're on the boat. Love this passage. He drew his gun hand out of his pocket for comparison. It was curved and shaped, balanced perfectly, as if it had always been there. He raised his arm and rested his hand against his temple, lining up the position, and was filled with a great peace. The fire crackled and flared higher over the electrically charged water. The smoky air became warm, moist, and began to distort into grainy bands of light and darkness. A great weight seemed to hold him to his knees. Firm, but not unkind. Its pressure was almost loving, its gentle insistence almost cruel. He had no choice. But that was all right. There were so many little dyings that it didn't matter which of them was death. After all, how else could it end? This guy's been through a lot, and I like that sentiment from... This character, even even without a philosophical underpinning of what it means, mm-hmm. he has had so many crazy little de- uh deaths where he's had to abandon his idea of what reality is or what's going on, that this one doesn't feel new to him.
1: Mm. Yeah, the final like chunk of the book where it devolves completely into like his thought process. Yeah. Do it. The trick was not to stop until it was done. Do it. Do it now. Until now. Like, all of that long live the new flesh shit. Um, it just, like, rattles, and then suddenly the book is over, and you're like, ugh! How now I have to, like, live with that in my brain forever. Now it's mine. I commend
0: him for not ending it with long live the new flesh, which would be the uh, the logical thing to do. Instead, it's long live the new flesh, he said. There was a roar of thunder. Pretty cool.
1: Mm-hmm. It is cool. It's sick. Sick ending. The trick was not to stop until it was done. Immediately reminded me of the trick is not minding that it hurts from Lawrence of Arabia. And I wonder if that's on purpose. If he's like making a little pop culture reference to be like, ah, TV, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: hmm. I want to reread it. or I wasn't finished rereading it when we started. I really want to finish my reread because I'm very curious about your questions about Nikki Brand now and i want to see like is there a shift in loyalty at the i just want to know like is she did she go with the good side or the bad side actually and like how much is hallucination versus if she really is help was helping bianca or anything like that like i'm very interested in that now that we talked about it
1: because there is a part at least in the book where bianca's like yeah nikki was ours and we basically like sent her to you and then yeah. it backfired all that stuff there. well that's right? the thing
2: they both yeah they both are using her for their own reasons and i just i'm trying to parse like I, did she die at what point it it, yeah mm-hmm. i'm very fascinated by all that now and before i never really considered it i was just like yeah i get it they're using her blah blah blah. i didn't think of her as on that level how they're using her and if she is on if she's alive and if she is if she, you know is she on the good side because yeah. she could be the hallucinations could all be from the, from the bad side um it's all very interesting. What a picture. What a book.
1: What a picture.
2: What a
0: picture book. <laughs> I like the, the, the this one other thing just early in the book when uh, Max and Harlan are having cute little banter. And uh, Max goes, hey, just don't forget who you're working for. He goes, I won't. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. In hindsight, some interesting stuff happening in this thing.
2: Yeah, there's so many. That's why the second read is so enlightening. Like, there's so many lines that are just foreshadowing in fun ways. Like, there's the line where after he goes to Nikki's radio show and she's like in her dressing room, she comes out of the shower, and he, uh, the, uh, Jack Martin or Dennis Etchison, whatever his name is, he writes her f- like just because she's getting out of the shower. He write he writes her feet splashing through water worried him, which. When you look back at how they describe Videodrome the first time, it's the wetness and the water mm-hmm. and how there's water on the ground that people are walking through. It's like a so little like, bit of a puddle. Yeah. Yeah. Just a really funny little detail of foreshadowing of like, oh, uh, it's, I think he says like, it worried him. And he didn't know why. And it's like, I know why.
1: Because yeah. <laughs> the author <laughs> is
2: so good at these little details. The um, wetness yeah,
1: yeah. of the Videodrome, like, set is so disturbing and unnerving. Yeah. But it's like, red clay and it's sort of like an inside of a body and this throbbing wet muscular bloody. Scarier, yeah Ugh. another
4: thing that's i think more effective in the book which is mm-hmm. impressive because i think like the body horror stuff it's more fun to watch even though i think yeah the author does a great job describing it frozen stuff but like the way that they're being fascinated by and fixated on the clay and the wetness and it looks like you're already inside some sort of body cavity it's really it's, it worked really well for me
1: when he just like another fact question when he kills barry convex and convex like col- like falls apart into pieces why what's going on when his body just like opens well, up
2: well you see they got rick baker the special So they were designer. just like, <laughs> so they were like, yeah. Okay. Barry convex should explode. No, cool. feels like cool. the right answer. I don't we built have this an platform. answer. We need to put our fingers in there and make them dance. I like the idea <laughs> of it corrupt. Like, what does he do to kill convex? He like inserts him. him. Oh yeah. Well,
4: okay, because I guess that that is something that is way more. I watched some of the behind the scenes Rick yeah. Baker stuff on the disc and they keep talking about his Videodrome gun hand as shooting cancer. Like, when they're talking about the mythology behind the effects, they keep calling it the cancer gun, the cancer gun. And so I guess it's him shooting convex with such a potent form yes. of the videodrome cancer tumor There's thing. There's your answer. That it immediately mm-hmm. grows inside of him, takes root, explodes him outward, stuff like that. So it's like, you know, I guess just mm-hmm. the
2: the
0: poetic yes. nature
2: of him being it's killed. A, it kind by
0: of his sounds own, like the gun sends you to the beach from old. <laughs> <And> <laughs> it was the, that you're got cancer that, so fast.
2: It was a speed run of now the that, whole videodrome thing.
1: The part in the novel where it happens, like now that you've said that and explained it to me, like yep, that's exactly what's happening here. Not bullets, now, but airborne gobbets of flesh sprang out and smacked Convex in the side of the head. They clung to his skin and burrowed into his skull, spreading hungrily. Convex fell apart. He dropped to the stage, writhing as his face and the bones behind its face disintegrated in full public view, masses of pearlescent tumors sprouting and devouring him from the inside out. Which, like, yeah, okay. It gives him crazy cancer and he disintegrates under it. It eats him up immediately. Got it. Got it.
0: I think the most prophetic thing about this book is that that passage ends with and it was because of 5G <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean there is something to like cathode tube television that if you sit too close it can make you sick right
2: I mean that's what my mom told
1: me <laughs> is that real <laughs>
2: Is that a, Yeah, is that in the same wheelhouse as like cracking your knuckles arthritis? Is that real? I don't know. Things your mom tell you. <laughs> you eat the crust of your bread, your hair will grow more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that one doesn't feel based in any sort of uh, yeah. re- believable science. I wish I had, a, I wish I had Especially a release. Doubting
4: <laughs> my
0: mother? <laughs> there, there just is food that makes your hair grow and it's protein. So it just, <laughs> it just seems wrong. <laughs> Brett Arnold. You are going to get fitted for glasses (laughs) and you hear the fucking weirdest noises coming out of the back room. Yeah. You walk into the back room and it turns out that the noises are being made because someone is just having such a good time with the novelization of Videodrome. (laughs) They hand the book to you and they say, you should really check this out. You'll similarly be strangely loud. Do you think you would? Would you enjoy it, knowing what you know? Would I enjoy this book? Yeah, this, yes. is, this is a totally logical question I ask people, which is, you've <laughs> already read the book, and knowing that, would you enjoy reading it in the hypothetical where you read it? It makes sense.
2: Yes, I totally understand, <laughs> and because I've already read it one and a half times, and I'm looking forward <laughs> to doing it again, yes, I can answer in the positive in this hypothetical. I would, in that scenario, read the book. And make the noises. And make the noises. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yes. Thank um, you for asking, by
3: the way.
0: Of course, and thank you for thank you for bringing this book into my life. I uh I really had a great time talking about it with you.
2: Yeah, I'm glad it worked out. I'm glad I got sent two books over the course of <laughs> like uh, eighteen months or something.
0: <laughs> Matt Darnell, you are hmm. You are calling into a radio show for advice on your love life. Mm. Your relationship's not going so damn well. Uh, Nikki Brand tells you that in order to repair your relationship, you should hand your lover a copy of Videodrome by Jack Martin. Do you think that your partner, having read that book, would be ready to give things another shot? I think so. You know,
4: uh, I think that uh, the the added interiority of the book was very helpful just in terms of understanding the, the appeal, the insatiable hunger that we as society are experiencing every day. That's why we're chasing the entertainment. That's why we're chasing the titillation, That's why we're chasing what we watch. And, uh, you know, it's fun to read something that feels so topical and deep and gross and silly and uh it is cool to think about it and i think yeah this conversation was helpful in just thinking about the the movie itself even it's like just a fun noir kind of how deep are we gonna go how weird are we gonna get kind of movie and um i think it would save my relationship the yeah. answer is
2: all the way weird <laughs> <and deep. laughs>
0: hannah blackman yeah You are some sort of media professor, Mm -hmm. and you're dead, but you made enough tapes to respond to any question anyone could possibly have. Mm -hmm. Someone hands your daughter a copy of Videodrome by Jack Martin, thinking you're alive and recommending that book to you. Mm -hmm. Would you hope that she would hand back a tape edited in such a way that conveyed that you enjoyed that
1: novel? Oh, what a convoluted one! Um, Yes, I think so. I mean, it happens in
0: Videodrome, so I I know. I know, but it's hard
1: to explain verbally in the way that you just did. Um, No, I like impressive
0: even in that (laughs) way. Thank you. That's the positive way to go. It's not convoluted. (laughs) I've just done something uh, amazing. Yes,
1: a Herculean (laughs) act of explanation. Uh, I liked this book. It is so creepy and icky and weird. The movie is good as well, of course. I think because I read the book first, I had these mental pictures that were so haunting and fascinating and intriguing that as a piece of like science fiction, unreality literature, absolutely, I would recommend it around town. If only it was a little easier to get one's hands on. Uh, Because I hate to say this, Andrew, but that scan you sent me was really hard to read.
2: Oh, no. (laughs) Go okay. to YouTube and type it in. There's a there's there's a lady reading it. If you're interested,
1: maybe so, it was just a I hard mean, I read book it. to keep flat it. on the scanner. Yeah. I I'm understand. sorry. No, there's a lot of just shadowy corners where I was like, I hope that says what I assume it says. But it's mm. okay. It's all good. But shadowy yeah, I, corners. Mm-hmm, that sounds
2: ac- right. fitting. If I text.
1: had, fa- if I ever found a hard copy in a used bookstore for under ten dollars, I would buy it. Hands down, absolutely, without question. I want to have it on my shelf so
2: that is not the amount i spent on no it's, <laughs> it's no one
1: no, they're going for no i know yeah. this i know this but sometimes miracles happen and you wander into funny little bookshops that don't really know what they have
2: oh yeah and it's you, the best it feeling happens. in the world
1: and when that yeah. happens i will buy it um happens and, with
0: vinyl too mm-hmm. love that
1: all good stuff yeah so yeah, every uh, once
0: in a while we pro video you'll code. be going through your life and you'll find a a DVD box set of vinyl, season one, for under ten dollars, <laughs> and that's what life's all Dude, about. That's what you're
2: looking one for. One time, yeah.
1: I was at a a book off or whatever in New York City, and they had a DVD of Never Say Never Again for three dollars, and that is not what that DVD goes for. <laughs> wow. Or it wasn't at the time at which I was trying to find a copy of that movie. So it happens. Miracles happen. Andrew Overby. Yeah. You are an older woman who's been producing pornography for most of your career. Wow. Tastes have changed, however, and the sort of lovely, boring, softcore stuff you've been producing is not really hitting with distributors anymore, and it's making Mm. your life a little hard. You come across a copy of The Novelization of Videodrome by Jack Martin. Would you bring it to your friend, Max Wren, in the hopes that he would produce a live-action version film of the novelization of Videodrome?
0: Uh, Since I'm Masha, if I read this book or looked at it, if I even saw the cover, I would just burst into flames from prudishness. (laughs) Um, Me, as Andrew Overby, I really enjoyed the book. Uh, I think you could even make the argument that it's better than the movie because it has almost everything the movie has, including the fucking special effects. It has all the good special effects described in really tantalizing ways. Uh, plus, it adds so much. Um, so, mm. I love the book. I read it in a day. There's nothing bad to say about this. I, as I said have a earlier, photo
1: insert is the only negative comment. Oh, there you I go. A photo it insert it, one section of the best would be covers. amazing.
0: It's a good cover. So, But I
1: would love to see a photo insert of him putting the gun into his own body.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, as I said earlier, I burned my finger pretty badly a little bit before reading this. And that blister burst on one of the pages of this oh. book. And I feel like if that was going to happen for a novelization, it should be Videodrome. That's the right novelization for a blister to burst on
1: i thought you were gonna say and to the reader you should give yourself a nasty ass burn before you read the book because it elevates the experience and i was (laughs) about to be like andrew no don't say that
0: yeah no on the record nikki brand is so cool cut yourself right after this episode (laughs) bleed on the book buy the book for a lot of money bleed on it ruin it uh yeah i love this brett arnold what do you do where can it be found And why do you do it?
2: (laughs) Well, I host two podcasts that make me no money. So I do it for the love of the game. I'll tell you that much. But I do (laughs) a horror movie show called The New Flash Podcast. It's been running for like eight years now or something ridiculous. We cover new horror movies every week. When there's a lull, we get to franchises. We've covered most of them. But I think our next thing we'll do is a little mini run to do the first four Insidious movies ahead of the fifth one coming out in june i guess oh yeah Uh, so that'll happen in may and then on roger ebert and me the podcast it's a weekly movie review show that's inspired by and a tribute to siskel and ebert so all encompassing every movie every week whether it's five of them or fucking 12 of them and uh it's ruining my life so check it out
0: (laughs) (laughs) well brett thank you so much for coming on of course really Uh such a wonderful time
2: always happy to be
0: here this is my fave show to be on that's not my own (laughs) very kind of you to our listeners please rate our show please subscribe to it review it uh we have a patreon it's patreon.com slash authorized pod and as usual i'm going to close out the episode by reading a passage from a classic piece of literature please do tweet at authorized pod if you think that you recognize what this is from Come on, Max, said Nicky. Just cut me a little. I don't want to, said Max. You can do it, said Nicky. Cross the blood meridian for me. (laughs) Good night. (laughs) So, Videodrome, a fake TV show that, we, you know, we all wish was real. I wish I could just go binge Videodrome right now, but you can't.
1: I'm worried so, about you. So, in the
0: spirit of that, <laughs> in the spirit of that, I wanted to ask all of you, what fake show or movie is this, and what real show or movie is it from?
1: <laughs> oh, mm-hmm.
0: What fake? Okay. Okay. Okay.
1: So, each I'm one in. of these is Fantastic. two questions.
0: I got this Each one. Each one of these is, am I supposed is two to, questions. Am I supposed to chime you, in yet? I got you can buzz in with one. your first name. Uh Brett. Okay, Brett, what is uh oh, are, are the stills from this fuck. from I I don't I know it's from RoboCop. But and You can I do, do the okay. quote.
2: Yeah, I'll buy that for a dollar. Is that the name of the show? Yeah, I'm a let's go with that. I'm going with let's uh, uh, I'd buy that for a dollar from RoboCop.
0: This is, of course, from RoboCop, and the show is called I'd Buy That for a Dollar. Thank you for the assist. It's it's as stupid as I hoped it would be. (laughs) Paul Verhoeven is a genius. (laughs) Up next, what fake show or movie is this, and what real show or movie is it from? Brett. Brett? This is Hypnotoad from Futurama. This is, of course... Hypno Toad from Futurama.
3: Right. Can I get some
4: context to this one? I've seen the frog. Uh, is it? Is it like? Is this like a supposed TV show in the Futurama universe that people
2: watch to just zone out, get high? Brett, why don't you take this one? Um, God, I don't remember that much context for it, other than it being like a gag. That I guess that's what you're saying, yeah. That people would watch something like this. Um, just a silly there joke, is a I think. yeah, I get There's it. There is a the the, yeah, yeah. the
0: the really funny thing about hypnotoad to me is that there is an implication that it is some sort of ruler or is getting something out of the situation yes. everyone mm. seems to be kind of enslaved by the tv program hypnotoad
2: it's very videodrome <laughs> it is compelling it to look
4: at i don't want you to change the slide <laughs> yeah so. keep it here for a while <laughs> let's I'll keep it parked to, here
0: i'll just try to describe all the other slides <laughs> yeah. so there's a guy and we'll he's figure looking, it out <laughs> Up next, what fake... You get it.
1: <laughs> Hannah. Oh, Matt.
0: fuck. That's Hannah Blackman, for sure. Yeah, That's a, that this verse.
1: is from Home Alone. This is Angels something. S- somebody help me.
2: Yeah, it's like a parody of a real noir t- title. It's like Angels with 50,000 Wings or something stupid.
4: <laughs> I, I don't So yeah, remember. Angels <laughs> with Dirty Faces. Angels with Dirty yeah. Faces is the real movie.
2: Which it, means that it, this is like is it angels with dirty wings or something like that? It might like, just be angels with dirty faces, actually. I'm not sure. The uh, mm. Andrew, I'm not So I'm of course we're gonna bit. give the
0: home alone point. Thank uh, you. the title is Angels with Filthy Souls. Filthy Souls.
1: Ooh. I'm gonna give each That's... of us one point for the angel stuff.
0: <laughs> we got there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Somebody even and this said, is my
1: prerogative as the person who allots points. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Thank you. Up Hannah. next. Thank what you. fake thing is this, and what real thing made it fake, or made it be? <laughs> <laughs> very, uh, oh, uh, oh. oh, oh, uh, Brett.
2: Brett. This is from The Big Lebowski, and I am ashamed that I cannot pull the title of the, of the pornography that it's from. If anyone wants to help, please take the point. It's very funny, and it's probably nihilist. It's in Peter
0: Stormare. Yeah, Peter in a, Stormare. In, mm-hmm. in I was really hoping this read, would I be
4: from Fargo,
2: and I just forgot about yeah. it or something. Yeah. <laughs> Deleted scenes from
0: Fargo. All right, so this is the Big Lebowski, and the porno is called Logjammin That's <laughs> of course. How could I forget? Great. Iconic, Literally. Jackie Treehorn. <laughs> Just whatever you think it's going to be, log jamming is funnier. <laughs> it is, yes.
2: <laughs> Jackie Treehorn treats objects like women,
0: man. Up next, what's the fake thing? What's the real thing? Brett.
2: Brett Arnold. This is South Park and this is Russell Crowe's fighting around the world.
0: <laughs> this is, of course, South Park and <laughs> Russell Crowe fighting around the world. Amazing. Fantastic. Age like a fine wine, that one. Up next, uh, fake please, real please. It's a different tagline every time. (laughs) Hannah. Hannah Blackman. This
1: is the fake Stargate TV show from Stargate SG-1. Oh,
0: my God. Hannah, if that were the case, what would the name of it be? Oh, my God. Fake Stargate isn't accurate?
1: No, it's not. It has a really, really stupid like, name. That's wow. like, like wormhole universe adventure. Like it's, oh my god, I don't remember. This is so shameful. So I'll give you the Stargate
0: point. This is from Stargate SG One, and the TV show is Wormhole Extreme. Wormhole Extreme. extreme, of wormhole extreme. That's Such great.
1: fun episodes. <laughs> this
0: Up is next. Uh, that was for me. If I fake you, you reel me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh geez um Brett Hanna. Brett arnold is this milf island from uh, 30 rock
0: yes it is this is of course a 30 rock tv show milf island
2: oh fantastic wow
0: the rob hubel square
2: is <laughs> that what gave it away. <laughs> <laughs> didn't they make this show for real basically mm-hmm. yes there's not there's quite, but yes. Fuckboy <laughs> Island. What's it actually there's, called? There's like, what's that? Mil- milf Manor, that Mil- right? Milf Manor. That's right. Which is, not I Italian. would argue, more fucked up than whatever Milf Island was doing, or maybe it's yeah, exactly just what looks it was like. Doing. I sexy think it survivor. is more fucked
1: up because Milf Island is such sexy survivor with tweens and unrelated <laughs> milfs, but Milf yeah. Manor is what if you a milf and had your son on an island and his he wanted to date the other milfs
2: and they do they do such things as blindfold you and make you go touch a random body and see if you can figure out if it's your son it is completely so it is completely fucking deranged like i tried to watch it like ironically or like however you watch reality tv whatever you call that guilty pleasure i tried to watch it in that way and it just rubbed it was so uncomfortable i could not get it it is very wild america
0: I feel like Videodrome predicted that somehow, too. (laughs) Look, at first, the game seems very disconnected from Videodrome, but the parallels are emerging. (laughs) They're everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Up next, where first God made real, then was misbegotten fake. (laughs) Hannah. Hannah Blackman. This
1: is Dr. Sexy from Supernatural. (laughs) (laughs) What is the actual name of the show? I don't know.
0: Just think about what uh, what type of a title that such a doctor might have.
1: Oh man, because it's like a Grey's Anatomy play.
0: Um, I'm giving it to you. It's Doctor Sexy MD.
1: Oh, I think I get it. I think I get the point. I count. You absolutely. (laughs) I can't. You definitely do. I got that in seconds.
4: Andrew, this is you keep you keep including Supernatural bits for this for the games and every time I'm like I thought I understood what Supernatural was
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I think absolutely. it's important. I you know
1: Matt yeah. that like the main character of Supernatural who's like a butch dude this is his favorite TV show <laughs> <laughs> I also get... almost
2: jumped in to say Eat. I've never watched the show actually but I've seen one or two episodes and both of them were the craziest shit I've ever seen one of them involved like a suicidal teddy bear come Yeah-hmm. to life Mm-hmm. Saw that one, and then... is No, this isn't the show that had the Barack Obama gorilla thing. That's
0: a different show. <laughs>
1: That's, I think, a different show.
0: <laughs> but, the the yeah. teddy bear was suicidal, not homicidal. No, no suicidal. Sad. Sad. <laughs> yeah. It's a sad episode. I learned a thing or two. <laughs> is it, uh, Brett, uh, something we've discovered over doing this show for a while is... Supernatural is inherently tied to the art of novelizing because anyone who's written a novelization past nineteen ninety has done supernatural spin-off books almost wow. every time. There are books? This is unbelievable oh, yeah. to me. Oh,
2: oh yeah, there's God. tie-in
1: books, there's like a weird and anime, it's great. <laughs> didn't the show
2: end, but also is it back now? Or it are there
1: ended? And now there's a new prequel TV show that is very intimately tied to original Supernatural to the point where maybe it's just more Supernatural. <laughs>
2: great. <What's your> <laughs> are are the fans happy? And are you a fan?
1: Uh, I have not watched the mm. Winchesters, which is the prequel show. The Winchesters. Not Dean. Young Dean. <laughs> Young Dean. <laughs> no, oh, wow. it's about their parents. It's about the parents in the '70s. And I can't watch a cheaply made period piece because it makes me insane, especially on the CW. You know, that's a crime against period pieces. So I haven't watched it. Wow. That sounds rough. Yeah. It sounds like a not good show, but it also sounds like Jensen Ackles is just like making whatever he wants happen. (laughs) So maybe it's deranged and good. I have no idea.
0: Up next, I'll show you a fake thing and... Then answer with two? And, well, no, let me think. I'll, and I get a fake thing I give. I thought these to were you. written
2: down for a while, and now and I've lost thinking that.
0: A fake thing I'll give to you, and then you'll answer me too? Is this like Gift of the Magi? What's happening? Uh, I,
3: Brett.
2: Brett oh. Arnold.
0: I know what.
1: Fuck. Hannah.
0: The yeah, Hannah Blackman. It.
1: This is from the, <laughs> the Fairly uh, Odd Parents. This the, is the Chin.
0: The Chin from the Fairly Odd Parents. That's, that's
1: correct. I can only <laughs> yeah. give
2: you the
0: show, Hannah. Does anyone else have the name of the fake TV program? Fairly
1: it's Odd like the Parents. All, correct? the
2: Almighty Chin or something? something. Like, is it more than that? I don't know. Because it's like we a play go... on the Tick.
1: Yes, I almost a
2: called him the Tick. Cut. That's why I jumped in. Yeah.
0: <laughs> mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was just the one. Think name. about his costume. Think about his costume. The red, the red Tick,
3: or the red
0: the red Chin. Let's keep going. We're so damn close. It's Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Adventures of Red Chin. He's a red chin. He's a red chin. Red. It's <laughs> a red chin. It's the crimson chin. The crimson oh. chin.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. From the Fairly oh Odd Parents. No points on me. But one isn't there? Point. I think there's a
2: re- <laughs> There's a reboot of this. That's like. Live action or CGI based? Oh, yeah. It's very. I think upsetting.
0: there's a 3D odd parents. Yeah, yeah, is that's upsetting. not. That's upsetting.
2: Hope they our sound final like slide. People forgot
4: how to draw. I don't understand.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I get it. Computers came, and it's not prized anymore. But those, it should be. It should be more
0: prized because of that. I don't know. Our final slide, although containing many answers, can anyone give me the? real movie or TV show that all of these things are from? Hannah. Oh, Matt. Hannah Blackman.
1: I'm going to share this with Matt no matter what, but this is, of course, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
0: Okay, and then Hannah, yeah. seeing as you have the floor, can you name any of these films?
1: Uh, one of them is like Apache Massacre or something like that. Um, No. I've Anybody got else? one of them. Let's go I around think. the horn. <laughs> Who one is the what?
2: 13 fifths of McCluskey. Is that right? Um, and I can't guess any. Skip. Yeah. <laughs> All I
0: right. So we are what the of course, Nazi one is. Yeah. Looking trouble. at Comanche Uprising. Comanche uh, Uprising. Mm. Very good.
1: That's the one I was thinking of, but obviously had very wrong.
0: The second one is Nebraska Jim. Mm. <laughs> I think the war one is 13 fifths of McCluskey. The the I'll give it to you Brett, the 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 war one is the 14. 14 of McCluskey. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> and then this one in the bottom right is Operation Dynamite. Mm. <laughs> Delightful. Yeah. Okay. One of the spaghetti westerns. What a picture. I think Comanche Uprising in the,
4: is the only good title of that bunch to be honest.
0: It's it's the best I don't like one the other
2: ones. Yeah. They don't they don't feel as inspired as you'd you'd hope from from, from the man.
1: Operation so. Dynomite should not star Rick Dalton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Feels wrong.
4: That is
2: a black exploitation movie yes. for sure. Yeah. What is he doing there? <laughs> <laughs> he wants
0: it all. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> 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 Boy, okay, what, a amazing. Well, what a game. Well, Brett won with Good eleven game. points. Then me Probably with my seven. worst performance. Yeah, Matt with one given out of uh, wow. team effort. <laughs> so well done, Matt. <laughs>